0: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
3: I used to get a buzz out of Robin, getting in trouble, and of course, getting knocked up.
2: We turn our
4: phones off in the evening, and it's great. I just think there's so many other things going on in life to enjoy. The government putting
2: that up now is just, it's not even the nail in the coffin. It's they've dug the hole and they've thrown you the in Join the conversation! Call 0818 96 96, 96.
1: Extra WhatsApp 083 396
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This
1: is the Opinion Mind with Coogan. 96 FM.
5: later this morning i will be joined in studio by the first declared candidate for the 2025 presidential election a man who claims he's unbeatable if he gets the votes well everyone's unbeatable if they get it's only reggie <laughs> Reggie has declared he's running for president. I'll be joined by Reggie for a laugh uh, later on this morning to, to brighten up the day. And um, you know the way the house gets completely just ape at Christmas? It's it's utterly decluttered. I mean here we are now, we we're a few days out and our place is ready. The decorations are all up. We've got the four four is it five four Christmas trees up. Everything's up, the forty something nutcrackers are assigned their stations and, and we've got all the decorations up my big problem, where do we put all the crap we took down to put up the decorations? We might get some help with that a little bit later on and some cocktails as well do you know you can work wonders with a simple gingerbread latte and a soap of brandy oh my god lad. That's, that's that's all to come a, a little bit later on this morning Um, Oh, by the way, the traffic stopped at 5 to 9 there. There, There's Any traffic jams that were out there have stopped because everybody's pulled in to car parks and margins to cry. Like, (laughs) Ross Brown. What? (laughs) We'll play that again. If you missed it, you can listen back later. But uh, Ross did this thing about loneliness at Christmas. And he painted a word picture... Of of an old man whose wife is dead, uh, and how he spends his Christmas Eve, um, and th- there isn't a dry eye on the top floor. Uh, I came in here to the studio, and I was very close to giving Ross Brown a dig because <laughs> he's put me ah. Uh-huh. But it's fabulous And we'll, we'll, we'll let you hear it again before the end of the week And I have no doubt it's going to be on all the socials Later on today Fabulous bit of work, young man Right, have you got the meat in yet? People are very happy to be getting our Christmas meat vouchers From O'Cruley Butchers all this year All this week, rather We have a €300 Euro voucher every day 60 years in business O'Cruley's is a cork-run business With a rich, heritage, quality meat And produce, as the youngsters say. We have a chef, Mr. Ramsey, today. And every day the chef is going through a recipe and going through how they prepare the recipe and put the ingredients together. We've just taken a little snatch out of it. And I want you to tell me what it is. What Christmas favourite is Chef Ramsey putting together? What Christmas favourite is Chef Ramsey putting together for us today?
6: very carefully wrap the beef so all that mushroom and parma ham is encasing the beef. Roll it nice and tight. The secret from here is to really let the cling film do the work.
5: All right, now that's, that should be straightforward enough. It's beef and he's wrapping it. So that should give you a fairly strong clue as to what he's at.
6: Very carefully wrap the beef. So all that mushroom and parma ham is encasing the beef. Roll it nice and tight. The secret from here... It's to really let the
5: cling film do the work. See, he's beef and he's rolling it and there's all sorts of stuffing inside and this cling film involved. What is Chef Ramsey cooking up for us? Give us the answer in your name, please. 083 396 96 96. Give you a couple of more opportunities to hear that during the morning. Now, I told you, but you don't need me to tell you, but we all met. It came up. During the week that really in the States And we're talking to some of our Carconians who are home for the Christmas And away for the Christmas In America Christmas is just a day It's a huge build up and then it's Merry Christmas And we all go home And Stevens's day doesn't really exist over there Everyone goes back to work And that's about the size of it really Whereas here we start in August And we're still going in the middle of January And I wouldn't have it any other way but well, the big one in the States is Thanksgiving, end of November. And here's the one. How would you say Thanksgiving in Irish if you were asked to do it?
7: If you're living in the US, you're probably celebrating Thanksgiving. And this is my very first year celebrating it because in Ireland we don't. Here's how you say it in Irish. Lá, áltáhá, sána, Here's the pronunciation. Lá, áltáhá, áltáhá, sona." Eve Happy There's Thanksgiving some... everyone
5: There's something that you didn't know now, putting milk in your cornflakes this morning, that's Vivian Sayers O'Callaghan, formerly of Prickly Plants of which more in a minute, but now has amassed 120 something thousand followers on TikTok doing Irish language lessons
8: Right, you should be hearing
5: Irish language lessons for the Yanks on TikTok Vivian, you need to tell me more. Good morning.
7: Absolutely, PJ. Kind of Thanks for having me. So, uh, believe it or not, I actually started the TikTok back in July and, and since then um, it kind of blew up out of nowhere and I noticed a huge interest between um, the Americans and the Irish and the Irish-Americans of course. Um, but where this initially came out of was I was living in Boston last year. Um, MTU, uh, formerly CIT, actually um, sent me on an exchange program between uh, Cork School of Music and um Endicott College and of course you'd be meeting Americans every day and plenty of Irish Americans of Boston, they'd say, oh I'm 20% Irish, I'm 30% Irish and it was great conversations Mm. Um, and the best thing about being Irish over there is you'd always have something to talk about with somebody because it became just central to your personality Mm. Something that always came up then was the Irish language, because I went to um, a Grailschall, Grail i grail school, school there at the Dun Kettle Roundabout, oh. and then I went to Cláis de Ida down in Dingle. And I don't know why it always came up, but you'd, you'd start chatting about the Irish language and the Grailgad, everything, and you'd get the most confused look in front of you, because people were realising number one, that there is in fact an Irish language. They didn't know about it. They know nothing about its historical significance, know nothing about even if it's spoken today. And I said, right, I better do something about this. Which
5: which is strange when you think if you take Boston, that's strange, like Boston being sort of half Irish anyway. So many people went over there during the, the famine and the people who went over during the famine, a whole load of them never spoke a word of English in their lives and had to learn English like a foreign language, when they landed in America. Has that bit of history been forgotten?
7: Now, what I will tell you is that I'm in my early 20s, so I guess I'm mixing with the younger Irish Americans and and the the younger Americans. Now, it wouldn't have been forgotten at all by the the older generations. But something interesting then is on the TikTok side of things, my main audience is kind of people age 30 plus, but now it's growing bigger and bigger um, kind of in the younger audience now that people are kind of saying, oh, here, this is an actual thing. Let's look into this a small bit. Yeah.
5: You moved to work for Moody's, that big credit agency. Yeah. Before that, I have a cactus at home in my kitchen that you gave me from your shop, um, Brickley Plants. Now, how do you go from cactuses to working for a credit giant? Explain this Uh-oh. to me.
7: Yes. Um, many people might have the same question. All right. So <laughs> I, I was doing my bachelor of music there in, in the Cork School of Music um, and I the best time there. And in my second year, I actually started Prickly Plants and many people around the Glanmire, Navarre, Douglas areas will know me as the Prickly Plant Girl, which is um hilarious so I opened a shop in Little Island where we were doing you know selling house pants and bringing them in from Holland and, and, and various different places and I had a couple of friends and family working for me which was amazing and that was just a way during the pandemic um, to essentially I, I kind of said to myself I said look I better equip myself with the skills to figure out how to how to live in the future and how to do all these interesting bits and pieces and I was, I was always interested in the business side of things as well because my dad also has a company, he's um, Southern Mobility Solutions, they adapt cars for people with disabilities, mm-hmm. so we always had kind of the business stream in the family um, I finished my degree then, I had my Bachelor of Music I had the shop, I decided to go off to a project management diploma up in Dublin, because I said I better formalise these skills and, and make sure I, I know what I'm talking about, and then, well, since a very young age I always wanted to live in New York New York was the end goal for me mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So then I found a program that places me over there, essentially. Um, it's a fantastic program. Um, and they you, you give them a small bit of money. They find a visa for you. They get you a job placement. They give you free accommodation for 12 months and they also give you um, health care. So that's how they then placed me in an internship role over at Moody's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually a, an event manager. So it kind of marries my two passions of the project. Management and the music quite nicely, so it's kind of a creative role still.
5: The, the TikToks, you get one hundred and twenty-five thousand followers.
7: At the, I think I I almost have 140,000 now since last week. Um, you know sometimes your videos blow up and you get this huge wave of followers, and so it's um yeah. It's since July I kind of started it in in the early July, and since then it's just um kept the ball rolling. Then
5: what's the favourite element of it? I think the pronun- the fact that you pr- you teach people how to pronounce it. Like we've all heard the standard. How the hell do you pronounce Siobhan Quiver? <laughs>
7: I think that's been my most popular stream on the TikTok actually is a, a video there just with 4.5 million views. And I'm literally just talking about how Michael is hall in Irish and Padraig is Patrick and Vivian is Bevine, And people are absolutely fascinated by it. <laughs> um, and the, the one most recently that went viral was me going through kind of very common you know Irish names, so there was like Leisha and Orla, and I'm sure I'd sive in there as well. So, I do the pronunciation, but to many Irish people, it might be very basic information. But that's what I'm trying to do at the moment is kind of bridge the gap between yeah. the Irish Americans who might have the, the family back along, but who, who don't have the exposure to it yet. So, I'm kind of doing that little bridge, building yeah. that little bridge and so showing funny the common back.
5: The, s- the spelling of the names, like Sive, the traditional spelling of Sive looks like a foreign <laughs> language S A D H B H. I mean, if you show that to an American, they go, What's that?
7: I don't blame them. <laughs> it's a bit difficult, all right.
5: <laughs> and Quiva and all that. Listen, but you're home for the Christmas now, are you?
7: I am indeed. Three weeks. I booked the flight when I was a small bit homesick. <laughs> so ah. I'm back for a small while, but I'm delighted. It'll be nice to have a break. Because
5: yeah, New York's a bit manic compared to Navarre.
7: Oh, my God. <laughs> that's a hilarious um, comparison, actually, yeah. Um, yeah, New York is a wild, wild place. I can't remember the last time I had a lie-in, but that's exactly why I moved there. That's exactly what I wanted, was that go, go, go all the time. And when you are a person who just wants to, you know, run for the next big thing, like, it can only, it, it's like the only reasonable place to live because you're always running. It's great.
5: It sounds exhausting.
7: Tis In all the
5: best ways. Which is is why you're home for three weeks. Yeah, that's
7: probably
5: it. (laughs) Have a great rest and a great break, Vivian, and good luck with the the TikTok. And I promise you, I am looking after the cactus.
7: Perfect. Thanks a million, PJ. Best of luck.
5: Cheers. Uh, that's a big adventure you'll find her if you go looking through your TikToks um, where did I I wrote it down of course and then put it down to, a, to the site Uh you'll find her Vivian in NYC Vivian, V-I-V-I-E N-N-E underscore in underscore N-Y-C and her explanations and pronunciation they're good they're great videos enjoy your break home Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. there's a story good one on the Echo this morning Donald O'Keefe has it um there 151 new guards sworn in last week. Now, they're probation, probationers. They're they're baby guards. But <laughs> I know they hate that expression, but one of them introduced herself to me one time as I'm just a baby guard. Uh, but with 151 new guardee were sworn in last week up at Temple Moor. And according to the Echo, and they have a very good... Connection with the Guard, the Representative Association, they quote Detective Guard, the Podrick Harrington. Donald O'Keefe does. Do you know how many Cork got out of that 151 new cops coming out of Templemore last week? Do you know how many we got? One. One guard. One little baby guard sent to Cork from the latest cohort out of Templemore. We've had four. We've had four uh, in the last year. And we've lost 29. See, every time they say, you know, we're allocating X number of new guards. Someone from the GRA told me years ago that I should ask the Minister for Justice or whoever it is I'm talking to, when they say, oh, we sent sent 50 new guards to Cork. The next question I need to ask them is, well, how many retired and left and all these kind of things? Then you get the real number. So we got one new guard out of this allocation. We've had four. Four. In the last batch from Templemore. We've lost 29 in the course of the year. So the next time that they tell you that they care about policing in Cork, and they're doing their best to bring up the guard, the numbers in Cork... And, the next, and yes, there is some extra guardy on the streets this week in the run-up to Christmas because they've saved up all the overtime and they can afford to pay them now. And that's great to see and the business is happy with it and the shoppers happy with it and all that. I was in there myself on Sunday. There was a fair few guards around and nice to see it. Nice to see it. One new guard we got. Good work there by Dora O'Keefe on the Echo this morning. One. One new guard Cork gets out of a class of 151. Dublin got 115. <sighs> yeah. 0818 96 96 96.
2: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. Christmas. Christmas! Christmas! With your local mace. Making your Christmas extra special with festive offers. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Big, big, big. show, 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 baby, radio. radio, radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Anne wants to give everyone the home that Cork gave her. She's leaving a gift in her will to Cork Simon. Find out more at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Call us now. 0818 96, 96, 96, 96.
1: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96
5: FM. Three more shows left before we wrap up for Christmas and Friday. We are compiling the list of the people who will be working on Christmas Day. And I've had more emails in overnight now from people that you mightn't think would be working on Christmas Day. Um, The obvious list, you know, guards... Those of us, those are the ones we have. I wonder, is the new guard working Christmas? No, stop it, PJ. Guards, uh, firefighters, um, ambulance workers, doctors, nurses, social workers, you know, um, emergency, technician, whatever. The list will compile itself to a certain extent, but we want to hear about and from the people who we might not realise are working on Christmas Day. And again, I've had a bunch more emails in Overnight pj at96fm.ie if you're working Christmas Day and we mightn't realize that you're working on Christmas day. I, I almost forgot our own newsroom will be here on Christmas Day and loads of me colleagues will be here on uh, Christmas day but that's that's just one bunch of people like I didn't know, I should have known people who run dog kennels, um, people who run catteries will be open on Christmas Day. So if you know of someone or if you're working on Christmas Day um, and you'd like a mention of what you're doing and where you're doing it, pj at 96fm.ie, all right? pj at 96 E. And we will try to have between 9 and 12 on Friday, before we wrap up for the season, we will try to have the most comprehensive list ever. Now, Michael, I don't know where this happened. and maybe, maybe you can't tell me, but but what happened? You uh, you were looking for a bite to eat. Good morning.
9: Good morning, PJ. How are you? Happy Christmas to you, and the same to and you. You, sir. And all, you and all the workers, PJ. We were on the way to Formoy yesterday. We stopped in a garage, right. and we had to buy teas. We had to buy teas, and we were told to could be twenty cent extra to sit down. I was speaking to another lad there, and he had the dinner before that, before uh, yesterday, and they charged him uh, one euro to sit down. No, no so PJ. hold on, really? minute.
5: let me get this. So they had, you went into the garage, many garages have a very decent servings of food. You went in, you got your grub, there were chairs and tables there, but you'd have to pay more if you wanted to sit down. Am I clear of that? Yes,
9: you, you'd have to pay 20 cents extra to sit down, PJ. Now, in the name of the Lord God, P.J., are we to, are we to have the breakfast to out in the road or what, P.J.? Another man, I was speaking to another man then, P.J., and he uh, he had his dinner the day before that, and he said he was charged an extra euro to sit down. Now, P.J., what is it coming to at all? I mean, to say, the cost of living is hard enough besides paying for the dinner to sit down. It's I can't guess. understand it, P.J.,
5: I've never heard the like. Now look, twenty cent isn't a whole lot of money in no, the scheme either. of things, but it's the principle of it, I suppose. Did you ask about it? What the problem was?
9: No, Peter. It's, it's it's on signage. It's on signage. Electrical uh, signage. You know.
7: Oh, I see. If
9: yeah. If you sit down, if you sit down, it's, extra, it's an extra twenty cent.
5: Per person or per portion or what? Per person. Per person. Okay. And even though these are chairs and tables that are there allocated for the purpose.
9: Ex- exactly, exactly, PJ. No, PJ, I was speaking to, as I said, I was speaking to the gentleman then, and he said he was here the dinner yesterday, and the dinner was 11 euro, and mm. to sit down here to pay an extra euro. No, PJ, okay, all I have now breakfast, but. Do you have to pay an extra euro to to have your dinner and to eat out on the road? No, if I'm,
5: I'm assuming, reason. Michael, that the explanation from the business, and we're not naming it, and I appreciate you not doing that, uh, because they have, they're have they not probably not breaking any law here. The, the, the explanation from the business would most likely be, well, if you sit down and use the table, we have to pay somebody to clean it.
9: Yeah, I understand what you're saying, Peter. I understand what you're saying, but why have they de- why have they got the sitting down, the sitting down area so, Peter?
5: If they don't want someone to sit down, if it's going to, I mean to thing.
9: say, <laughs> P- Peter, it's, let's be honest. Like the cost of living is hard enough. Yeah, but but the thing about it is, like, if you have a dinner and you want to sit down, you have to pay an extra euro. It's absolutely it's altogether. all yeah. together. What is Ireland coming to?
5: Now we did What's start the- doing a lot. A lot of places started doing takeaway during COVID. And after the COVID was gone, they kept doing takeaway. And you will find in general, Michael, in, say, your local Chinese nosh or wherever you happen to go, that your sit-down dinner is a bit dearer than your takeaway dinner. That's kind of a thing.
9: Yes, but PJ, it's okay saying it's a little bit dearer, but I mean to say, it's up. It's up and advertising that if you have to sit down, it's 20 cents extra with your breakfast, or if you have a dinner, it's a euro extra. It's interesting. No, yeah. definitely, definitely. No, PJ, don't order then. Don't order. There's another place that you can't sit down without being charged at all. You have your breakfast, you have your dinner, and you can sit down, and there's no problem without being charged whatsoever. Oh, I see. Not,
5: not everybody's doing it.
9: Not everybody is doing it, and I, I, I still think, PJ, that it's absolutely a disgrace. A okay. disgrace altogether. All to right. sit down and have a dinner, you have to pay. You have to pay an extra order to sit down to have your dinner.
5: I'll see what people think about that, Michael. I've never, certainly never come across it before in somewhere like a garage or a deli. Thanks, Michael laherne So, to summarize, he he goes to a garage. That should garages have. Pretty good food courts these days, an awful lot of them, particularly on the main roads, getting a bit of breakfast and 20 cents each extra if they want to sit down and eat the breakfast. And then he's talking to a man who had a dinner the previous evening and an extra euro if you want to sit down and eat the dinner. The seats and tables are provided. And there's a sign up, lit up sign saying if you want to sit down, cost you more in a garage. I have never come across this before. Have you? If there's anyone listening in a garage, who does this? Why do you do it? Why do you charge someone else, someone more, to take I'm assuming something nice like a ham and cheese roll or a small bit of breakfast? Breakfast roll maybe, sausage roll, brasher roll. Why would you be charged extra to to sit down and eat? And Michael has a point, like to be fair to him. And I know the business comeback is probably, well, we have to clean that table. We have to prepare it for the next person. Yeah, but, like, you're not employing someone just to clean the table, are you? Look, we had a long discussion earlier in the year about trying to justify 90 cents for a scoop of cream on a bit of apple tart. And one person will say it's a disgrace and another another person will sit down and make a very valid argument for it. But Michael, Michael was very put out that he had to pay 20 cents extra per person to sit down and eat his breakfast in the garage. Has anyone else come across this? And would anyone care to explain why it happens? A lot of people are pushing back a little against electric cars. And look, they're brilliant. There's loads of great electric cars around and there are even better electric cars coming down the line. And we all know that eventually we'll end up driving them because we have to for the sake of the planet and the sake of the climate. But if you're one of these people who changes your car every year or maybe even every two years and you're used to doing it and you take the one-year-old car back to the garage and you trade it in so you might have a 231 and you're ready to go into the garage in the first or second week in January and get a 241 and you just have a couple of quid to exchange every year. That's all about to change with electric cars more on that in a sec oh wait one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six you want the biggest hits
2: yeah we are really hooked on this now
5: oh this
1: song is class
4: oh
2: my god when they just heard it, down, when They got into the cars they just part it right back you got them right here the hit mix the hit mix on cork's 96 fm I want new music i want to hear that new, soon fresh fresh new music the
1: hit mix with brian mcavoy Hit mix on your smart speaker,
2: on your phone, and
1: on your radio.
2: Weeknights from 8
1: on Courts 96 FM.
2: Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp, at
1: the 83396 This is the opinion live with PJ Coogan. Courts 96 FM.
5: So, Adrian Weckler, tech editor of the Irish Independent, has been with me a few times throughout the course of the year on, on tech issues but Adrian you bought an electric car your first electric car this year um, and now you feel like a bit of a mug
10: good morning good morning i do yes i do feel like a mug because the depreciation on the car that i bought which is a Volkswagen ID3 which by the way i am happy with as a car i like driving it it's uh, it's comfortable it's fast it's steady in many ways I'm very pleased with it. What I'm not pleased about is how much less it is worth now than when I bought it in January. Everybody expects a new car to depreciate when they buy it. There's mm. the old joke. The minute you walk out of the showroom with it, it's worth a few grand less. That's completely fine. We all expect that. In my case it was exacerbated because there was a price drop in not just for Volkswagen, ID three, ID four, ID five, but also for Uh, other brands, uh, for uh, Cupra, which is owned by Volkswagen, for Tesla. Anyone who bought a Tesla in the last year to 18 months will have seen the price of the model they bought, Model 3, Model Y, came down, you know, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000 euro. That's the price. Now, what that means is if you bought one say in January of this year, like I did, or or say last year in 2022, if you're going to Trade that in against any other car, not just another electric car, but any other car, it's now worth five, six, seven, eight thousand euro less than Mm -hmm. what it should have been worth under the normal rules of depreciation, Mm -hmm. if you follow me.
5: There are those people who change their car every January and it only costs them Mm -hmm. a couple of grand because of the
10: trade in value, but you'll be in a different situation now. 13 grand less if i were to trade in my car in january i bought it in january it's a 40000 euro car okay and i uh, i had traded up over years to get that level okay so it wasn't like i had 40 grand in my back pocket but mm. it's 40000 euro car. i would get i bought it for actually for 43 i'd get 30 for it now mm. after 11 months now that's unusual and the reason the reason like price Cuts happen, and that's part of life. And overall, it's a good thing for electric cars because we're trying to encourage adoption. But there is also a sense of frustration on two levels. Number one, the authorities, politicians, uh, everyone who has a voice tells us to go green, to go electric. I've always believed that, and I don't regret buying an electric car. <laughs> but I feel like a mug because there are very few politicians and authorities who drive electric cars mm-hmm. so the people who who tell us to do all of this generally speaking don't drive electric they drive hybrid or they drive petrol or they drive diesel and when you ask them why not as i have done many times they give you the same reasons that you know that you would expect the public charging infrastructure is crap mm-hmm. like really bad mm-hmm. it won't get me from you know, from my clinic uh, to Dublin and back in one charge. Correct, it won't. In many cases, it won't. So all of this, and it's the world's smallest violin, this is a real first world problem. And once again, I don't regret going electric. But Mm. what I do feel frustrated about is I went into a, 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 a premium brand. I mean, you know, Volkswagen, I think you would, Agree is is a premium brand and there is an expectation that if you buy something that costs a lot of money from a premium brand that it's not going to collapse in value that year now once again price cuts do happen I accept that but (laughs) I'm the big loser here is what I'm saying
5: well Adrian if you take Volkswagen and one of the best known cars of all time I think most of us have driven one at some point in our lives a Volkswagen Golf those Mm. things held their value
10: forever Oh, they did. But your new ID, whatever, has dropped in value three. by thirteen grand. It's dropped to thirteen grand in, and it's like if you bought a car for eighty grand and it dropped by thirteen grand, you you mightn't have that much of a complaint. But this, it it effectively dropped 30%, thirty percent, thirty thirty three percent in value in one year. That's over and above, and really, what I feel is that I'm kind of the person who. Mm-hmm has to pay for the grand experiment. Why would you? When you go to update it, you may not be able to afford to update it because of the massive depreciation and the collapse in value.
5: Yeah, there are other hidden
10: costs as
5: well. I was reading in in your own paper a week or two ago, but a woman, again, she did that. She wanted to change to an electric car for the whole environmental thing. And then she discovered, well, first of all, it's going to cost me a load of money to put in a charging point at home. Then she found that the charging points on the side of the road were, were expensive. There's a lot of hidden cost and a, a lot of time waiting around with an electric car.
10: Yeah, so, I mean, I've written for quite a long time about the pros and the cons, the considerable cons to electric car and the the big ones, There there's a, there are a few hidden ones. Now, the home charger situation... I don't know if you could describe that as being hidden. It's certainly, it might come as a nasty shock to some people. Generally speaking, that would cost you about 600 or €700 because you do get a grant uh, for them. It cost me, I think, €600. Okay, Mm. But that is €600. The bigger hidden downsides to me are the following. Number one, the range is usually nowhere near what they sell it to you as. And let me explain that. My car, the Volkswagen ID. Three, has a stated range of, I think, 414 kilometers. What they mean by that is if you're in warm weather, tootling along sort of between 65 and 75 kilometers for most of the time, the minute you hit a motorway, the minute the temperature drops below, say, you know, 9 or 10 degrees and you have to use the heater in the car, the range collapses. So at the moment, if I was driving, say, from... Dublin to let's say Cork, I would be lucky. I don't I wouldn't get down there on one charge. And the reason for that is because it's cold outside, which means I have to use the heater, which all comes from the battery, mm-hmm. don't forget. And you know, if you go over 75, 80 kilometers an hour, it has an accelerated draw on your battery. They don't tell you that. And mm-hmm. um, what else do they don't not tell you? They don't tell you that you're not supposed to charge your battery above eighty percent. Oh. So the range in my car is 414 kilometers on a 100% battery. But you're not supposed to charge it to 100% because they say it's bad for the battery.
11: Oh, right. So,
10: yeah. So now you're in a scenario. Now, you do because you have to when you're going on a long trip. Hidden issue number three. What they don't tell you is that when you use a public, when if you can find one of the hen's teeth fast public chargers. Mm. I mean there are a few of the, 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 the slower public chargers around if you want to sit around for two and a half hours. But the, 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 the chargers that actually charge your car in say thirty minutes or thirty five minutes, if you find one of those, they're the same price as petrol or diesel. Ah. Uh. So it's not cheaper to charge your car with electricity. Um, if you're if you're at a public charger that can actually charge your car at a proper speed now it is cheaper if you do it at home mm-hmm. let's let, let's be completely clear about that yeah but if it's, you're on the no, way from Cork to Dublin and you're no, running low on no, charge no, I have to stop yeah <laughs> I, I mean so if I go to Dublin to Cork and then back to Dublin, I'm going to have to charge a minimum of once The cost of that will be the same as petrol or diesel It's not cheaper. Ah. So, so that that's a hidden that's a hidden cost, which uh, which is annoying. Other than that, and I know I'm sounding very negative, believe me, there are positives to electric cars, and and overall, I don't regret going electric. Yeah. However, I do feel like a bit of a mug on the money side. Adrian,
5: it is as I said to someone else last week: it's a bumpy old road, and it's only bumpy when you
10: sit into the car to drive it. I, I would say that is a completely apt metaphor. <laughs> good
5: speaking to you. Have a good Christmas, Adrian. Thanks, PJ. Cheers. That's, uh, yeah, Adrian Weckler. Now, if someone who knows his tech as well as Adrian Weckler knows his tech is asking questions, then there's a lot of questions to be asked. And he loves his new car and he's good with his decision to go electric. But if you're one of these people who changes their car every January or February, they're still there. A friend of mine does it, changes himself and his wife's car. Every single January. And they just make up the difference with a trip to the credit union. Uh, It's a nice little handy arrangement. They've been doing it for years. Tom says, when we're rushing headlong towards electric cars, uh, no boilers in houses, etc., what happens to the old stuff? Engine oil is toxic, for example. You can't even touch it. Currently, we have to work hard to keep it out of the water supply. That's just one example. Now we've loads of cars that'll have to be scrapped. Are we sure we have the capacity to do this and to handle all this scrappage, especially with the household boilers getting scrapped at the same time as well? You see, these are the problems you don't see. Thank you for that, Tom. Now, down to Crosshaven, we were speaking about the post office there last week or the week before. They were concerned it might have to close because the current contract is coming to an end and the current postmistress was retiring uh, local councillor Jack White, the, the, there will be a post uh, a post office in Crosshaven in 2024. Jack, good morning. Good morning,
11: PJ. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic news for, for our community here in,
5: in Crosshaven and the surrounding areas
11: this morning. Um, just before Christmas, we got confirmation last night from one post that a service will continue in Crosshaven when the current postmistress, Sarah McGrath, retires at the end of the month and we'd be all sorry to see Sarah go. We wish her congratulations and, and the best of luck in retirement but um, a, a new a new postmistress has been appointed and we're very much looking forward to her taking over and the service continuing.
5: Mate, with, without mentioning a name, which I assume you can't yet, is it a local person?
11: It is a local person yeah, uh, I, I let her make her own announcement at some stage probably over the course of the day now, maybe today or over the next few days but uh, it is uh, she's local and And I I think Will is, is very passionate about it, to be fair to her, and I think she'll do a tremendous job.
5: And again, for those of us who only know the post office to go into and use it and don't understand how these things work, how long is a contract for this?
11: I'm, I'm not sure the specifics of the, of the contract that she'll sign. now, but uh, but I, I think I think the current postmistress has been in place there since about 2017 or 2018, okay. so a good five or six years. And okay. look, I I'd, I'd hope that uh, that that the new uh, postmistress taking over now will, will have a, a similar tenure and hope, hopefully okay. longer. I, I think the, um, the the post office is a kind of a central part of the community in a place like Crosshaven, and uh, we we we'd, we'd hope she'd be there for the long haul. Will it stay in the
5: same premises?
11: For now, I think it will, yeah. Uh, it, had, it had moved at uh, that time when, when Sarah McGrath took it over, uh, uh, and I think it will stay in the same premises for now anyway. And um, I, I look, I, I think look, these th-
5: things can change over time, but um, I think it's good for continuity anyway for the time being to stay where it is. At least we know that there will be a post office in Crosshaven in 2024. Nice to have that one well, nailed uh, by Christmas. Thank you, local councillor Jack Wait. couple of things I was thinking about saying and now I have an opportunity I know I'm not mad because Simon Murdoch convinced me I'm not mad and then someone else last night convinced me that I'm not mad Are you hearing birds? Is anybody else hearing boards at ridiculous hours of the night? i tell you what happened Saturday night I was at home watching the telly and I finished out numbers, out outnumber or not out, numbers, uh, out uh, Obliterated, rather. I finished Obliterated on Netflix, and shall we just say I'd had a drink or two in the course of the evening, and then my daughter came in, she'd been out with her friends, and we were chatting in the kitchen, and she went off up to bed, and I went to take the dogs out, as you do before the last job of the night, is take the dogs out to the garden to have the little chat with Mother Nature. And I'm standing in the garden at... I would say three or quarter past three in the morning, waiting for the two dogs to finish doing what they're doing. And there's birds singing. I'm absolutely there's birds singing. Am I drunk or am I mad or what? There's birds singing. So I thought nothing of it until Simon came in here at the weekend and said he was out gigging uh, late in in, in Popscene. He plays Popscene the other night, and he got home from Popscene again in the early hours of was it Saturday morning. And as he was opening his front door, and he had not a soap taken because he was driving, he heard birds singing. And then I see it on Reddit last night, people asking questions about birds singing at all sorts of queer hours of the day and night. So it's not me, and it's not Simon. We're not mad. I saw it on Reddit now. Birds are singing at very strange hours of the day and night. And in my case, in Simon's case, I heard them at about quarter past three in the morning. And he heard them again just over or just past 3 o'clock. Can anybody explain that? Why the birds are singing at 3 a.m.? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. On paying more to sit down. We were chatting earlier in the morning um, with Michael who was most put out that sitting down in the garage where he bought his breakfast, sitting down would cost him an extra 20 cents per person. It wasn't about the cost of it, it was about the principle of it. Uh, our Richard just sent us a photograph of the Richard Victory, sent us a photograph of a receipt where there's a takeout discount of ten percent. So because you take you're taking away there's a discount, ten percent. And then Kate says, I know they're looking for turnover and all that. But I think in this day and age they should be encouraging business. I wouldn't like to see that happening. The birds. Katie Uh, i tell you another one. When I was out walking, I could smell honeysuckle. And sure enough, honeysuckle was blooming in December. And we did see the other day, someone had photographs of tulips starting to bud and daffodils starting to bud in December. Bill says it's migratory birds. They're singing during the night because they arrive at a different time, especially things like red wings. Okay, Bill, thanks. Thank you. But birds singing at three in the morning in the wintertime, I have never heard the like. Someone here heard birds at 20 past two this morning. Like, you would think you'd had one Bailey's too many, wouldn't you?
2: We're playing all your favorite Christmas hits after midday on Corks 96 FM. Happy Holidays. With your local mace, Savings with a Smile, all through the Christmas season.
1: They can call
2: me.
5: Wayne Hilton.
2: Wayne Hilton. The weekend. On Corks 96 FM.
5: Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne teaser question. There's the
2: latest celebrity gossip. A look at what's
12: happening
5: around town.
2: And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential
10: Cork news.
2: Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors. For the Volkswagen ID buzz. Fully electric, fully connected, and full of new ideas. NewmarketVolkswagen.ie On
1: Cork's 96FM. <laughs> the minds are
2: Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Text or WhatsApp
1: 083 96 96.
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
1: This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cox 96
5: FM. Getting a few reports in this morning and over the last few days, I'm getting them to myself through uh, private messages and stuff. That the bus app that I talk about a lot and that we use a lot, the bus app isn't really um, playing the ball at the moment. Um, This morning, for example, I'm told that the early morning bus, the 610 from Mitchellstown to Cork, which is a new service, a very early morning service, 610 from Mitchellstown to Cork, that bus broke down and wasn't replaced. And people were standing in the cold and the wet waiting for a bus that didn't come. And there was no sign of the cancellation on the app or on social media. The other morning, I read, where was it? The 206, some bus route. Anyway, when the, 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 the app went completely haywire and cancelled every bus for the next four hours when the buses were still running. The bus app seems to be very unreliable at the moment, which is which is most unfortunate. And other stuff that comes in randomly out of the blue, and you would kind of expect this stuff to come in three or four days out before before Christmas. There's a piece in the in the paper today, which I'll get to later, about why will some people go to mass on Christmas Day and never darken the door of a church for the rest of the year. Get to that in a while. But Mary was on. She says, "PJ, it doesn't look like there are any Christmas carols on the telly on RTE." on Christmas Eve nothing advertised at least why is this I wonder Mary I haven't seen the schedules yet for, for Christmas Eve telly I generally wait until I'm done at work to have a look at that uh, but I would be disappointed if there wasn't carols on the telly on, on Christmas Eve there's always last year there was a lovely programme from Dublin Castle which they no, they recorded it in August and the place looked so weird in August I can imagine with Christmas trees and holly and tinsel and cribs and all that. And it was a lovely show uh, and they ran that on Christmas Eve, at Carol's at the Castle but I don't know if there's anything this year. Uh, I haven't seen the schedule yet. If anybody has, can you let Mary know and maybe put her out of her? Anyway, <clears throat> um, to, to more serious things. During the summer or was it in the early autumn, I spoke to Cahill who is John Keevney's Uncle Now John Keaveney is a man in his 40s who has been missing since he was last seen near queeve on the early hours of Monday the 21st of August. So four months ago tomorrow, if you like to go by dates, four months ago tomorrow since John was seen on CCTV in the early hours of Monday, August the 21st. He's, he's, he's a Dublin man. Uh, His uncle, Cahill, I had spoken to before, and Cahill joins me again. And the family, Cahill, have renewed their appeal to see is there any way at all John can be found before Christmas. Good morning.
3: Yeah, it's four months now since John went missing on us. And just to remind people, you know, uh, John was down on the holidays in Castle Martin with his beautiful wife, Adrian, and three wonderful young children. And he took an epileptic episode. And um, now these things have happened before, where when you take an epileptic episode, uh, you can be brought to hospital and they give you medication and everything is fine. And you just return home and you continue as normal. Mm. But in this case, he was brought to hospital. And um, unbeknownst to people, he seems to have had a second epileptic uh, episode whilst he was in the hospital. Uh, got disorientated and for some reason decided to leave the hospital um, unknowingly to most people and uh, just went missing and we've been searching for him ever since and uh, when he went missing that day in Cork, we were searching everywhere for him trying to contact him Um, but his phone unfortunately um, ran out of power and uh, the last sighting we have of him is uh, around the centre park area at around about one thirty one forty five a.m. on the morning of the twenty first of August. Yeah, uh, th- th- that was a Monday, and it was it was a pretty bad night, a pretty stormy night, and we sort of have him at around about one forty five, passing Parky Kiev along the Greenway there at the River Lee, and after that, uh, he seems to have just disappeared. Yeah. Um. Now since then, um, for four months. We've searched every bit of land and scrub um, with all the local services who've been brilliant um, and the River Lee. So John and all the team from Mallow Search and Rescue, Christy and all the team from Cork's Missing, missing Persons, the Gardaí, the Civil Defence, uh, even Navy divers, and there was a helicopter at one stage. That ground has all been pretty comprehensively covered and it's just quite extraordinary that we haven't come up with one thing yeah. that would tell us uh, what happened to John. There's, there's now a, there's a, have a,
5: you have you've, you've spoken to the Echo this week, I think. Uh, there's a. Yes. Is there a sighting? Is it confirmed or unconfirmed about the well, around the, the airport at quarter to four in the morning?
3: Well, the way I'd put it is, the two people who were at the airport at that time in the morning, they were catching a flight. They're pretty convinced it was John right so the best way for us to describe it is a reported sighting we haven't heard any any other uh, information to substantiate that and that's part of our appeal because what we're appealing to is anybody who was out in or around the vicinity of cork airport at 3 45 a.m on monday the 21st of august i think it was storm betty so you, you may remember the night okay did they see a lone figure um, walking, um, anywhere in the environs that may have looked a little bit lost or that they may have talked to. And I'm talking about not just passengers, people who are going for flights, but people who maybe work at the airport sure. or provide services at the airport so just taxi drivers and bus drivers just one thing you heard, at is at this
5: all? a different night now we, we we've spoken of the same night, night. Of, a, of the 12th or oh, the same night yeah. okay so the night it's, of the it's
3: exactly the same night okay. and we actually walked from um the greenway to the airport ourselves and uh, i don't even know it. you you walk it's a bit of a trek over the skewered, Yeah, over the skewered road. I'm getting to know, even though I'm from Dublin, I'm down yes. in Cork at the moment again. Um, yeah, I'm getting to know Cork very well. So he we went through the Skeward road all the way through Douglas. And then you sort of go into sort of a, a rural road that brings you all the way to the airport. Mm-hmm. Now, John was pretty good walker, and he knew Cork reasonably well. So it is possible that he could have decided for some reason to walk to the airport, maybe to catch a taxi, maybe to catch a bus or for some other reason. So somebody might have seen him on that road, right, and picked him up and offered him a lift. Or actually, one thing we're thinking about is, you know, it was late at night. If he was tired, did he go for a rest somewhere? Did he take refuge somewhere? So not only asking people did they see him at that night, but we're asking anybody on that route, in fact, all around rural Cork, to check their sheds and outhouses to see would there be any signs that John has been there. Because, you know, funny enough, we think that, you know, he may have, because it was such a wild night, it was late, he may have taken a rest somewhere to refresh himself and left something behind him. And this could be crucial in our search for John, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
5: there's a lot of that route to the airport of which you refer, Gehard Road down into Douglas, up the, the airport road there, um, particularly the, the run, there would be a lot of commercial and private CCTV between Skihard Road and the airport. Did anything come out of that?
3: Uh, no, we checked um, a lot of CCTV and so many business owners and even um, house owners were really kind and uh, they looked and they searched in their CCTV with us. And also to Inspector Halahan and to Ashling Murphy and the guards. Mm. Um, and as Anglesby Road, uh, they were fantastic as well. They checked out CCTV. So, with all the CCTV that we've checked out so far, uh, nothing new has actually, uh, I suppose, come to the fore. Um, and this is why we're asking people to still look, because it is quite extraordinary that considering the intensity of the search that we've actually done, that we've come up with no new yeah. information after Monday the 21st of August.
5: We effectively have a situation, kahal don't we, where John was last seen by the Circle K and then down near the marina and appears to have vanished into thin air. Not a sign Van- or a shred of him since.
3: Not a sign or a shred of him. I like, as I said, um the shrubbery, you know, we searched with sticks, we searched with dogs. Uh I said the rescue services search not only with their eyes and with binoculars, but uh, with sonar um on the river and um everybody is just really exasperated and I suppose in a way frustrated that nothing really has has has, has, has come up yet, you know. But we're still very hopeful that, you know, we can find that one small clue that will make all the difference. It has to be out there somewhere, PJ. And it's only a question of, you know, um, if we get many people to look, uh, just take even a small look, even spend a couple of minutes, again, just checking their outhouses, their sheds, uh, just to see if there's anything around there uh, that could make all the difference to his wife, his children, and all his family who love him and miss him uh, so desperately. Mm -hmm. And, And there's a thing,
5: you know, you mentioned to me before, his wife and family and and how close he is to them it would be completely out of character for him to go missing without making contact oh. even to say i'm all right
3: now john was a very very loving man um he loved people um he would talk and spend time with anybody and he was a guy who was always upbeat and uh, anytime you walked away from a conversation with john you felt better So John was all about uh, helping people and supporting people, Um, particularly with his family, who we loved so, 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 so much. You know, um, yeah, we we just couldn't think. We're just thinking that something did happen to him or that with the epilepsy, that he did get disorientated so he could actually be out there, Mm -hmm. right, and not knowing that we're looking for him because there are cases where people have had uh, a couple of epileptic episodes where, unfortunately, because of, their memories, the brain. Yeah, they, yeah they, they, they have short-term disorientation. It yeah. does come back, but it does knock them for six for a period of time, yes.
5: I have to ask a difficult question, Cahill, and what makes it even more difficult is that it's only a few days to Christmas. Um, does the family still hold out hope, any hope at oh. all that John may be alive?
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we're down in Cork every week. Um, in fact, just on Sunday, we had a wonderful service in the Catherine Toomey Wellness Centre. I mean, Catherine and Penny dinners have just been fantastic. And that was attended not just by John's family, but all the friends we've made here in Cork. As I said, John and all the team in Mallow Search and Rescue, Christine and National Missing People in Cork, um uh, Inspector um, Jim Hallahan was was there from representing the Guards and uh, people from all over Cork who who we've met. Uh, And we all share this hope and we're all still looking because, you know, John is out there somewhere. And, you know, I believe that hearing testimonies from people who've been through this before, uh, that, you know, John, you know, could be alive and well. And as I said... We, he just doesn't know that, that we're looking for him it's only a question of us, us finding him
5: well I asked you before if you wanted to speak directly to John if he was listening but if he's lost his memory he may not have any idea uh, of, of of who you're talking about but if it's a thing you say he's a friendly person, he may have befriended somebody, He somebody may well be helping him, who may not realise who he is he could be in a shelter somewhere he
3: that's that's absolutely true, PJ. So, yes.
5: so do, would you like again, Carl, maybe to speak directly to any, to John, or to anybody who might have inadvertently helped him, not even realise it was John Keaveney he was helping?
3: Well, uh, the first thing I'd like to say, PJ, is really just to thank everybody in Cork for their help and for the support. Uh, as I said previously, Cork is a wonderful place because it's just full of wonderful, wonderful people. And everywhere we've gone in our searches, um, you know, people have recognized that we've been searching. And they stopped and they've talked to us and they've empathized with us. And they said, you know, there's anything we can do, um, just ask. So once more again, I appeal to all the wonderful people in Cork that um, just to have, you know, just for this Christmas, just to go out, just have one last search, one last look, wherever they are locally, just to make sure that there's no sign of John because he could be anywhere. And if anybody has seen somebody who looks like John or somebody who knows somebody who um, may be sort of uh, not sure of who they are, to please call the family helpline. We we have a dedicated helpline where the only person who answers the phone is a family member. And can I give you that number, please? You please? can indeed.
5: You can indeed.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The number is 083-462-2598. I'll just repeat that once more. It's 083-462-2598. I mean, it'll be the greatest Christmas gift ever. Um, If we did find John before Christmas, it's such a great time for family. We would love to see John back with his family and everybody back together. It, it just means so much for us okay. so thank you to everybody and, and to you and your team and again as I said all the wonderful people of Cork and all the local services for supporting us and helping us, it really means so so much
5: alright, Carl. listen okay. it's a pleasure and I told you before you were always pushing an open door here, I'm good to talk to you. Good good to speak with you again and I sincerely hope that when the news comes it will be good news
3: PJ, listen, you're great, you're so good and thank you so much and I wish all your listeners and everybody a really peaceful and, and a happy Christmas and thanks very much PJ
5: and the same to you, have the best Christmas that you can and that'll be difficult to know without John that's Cahill, uh, uncle of missing man John keevney that number if you know anything or think you know anything or saw something or think you saw something doesn't matter how insignificant it might be, the guards are always saying this it doesn't matter how insignificant you think it might be, but if something you saw, heard, someone you saw seems even the slightest bit unusual to you, there is a number and it'll always be answered by a member of John's family. And that number is 83 46 598 83 598 And they talk about the route that he, they took because they believe he might have taken from the marina up to Black Rock up to, to Skehard Road down to Douglas up towards the airport a long old sclep, a long old trek could he have taken shelter up there did he leave evidence of having taken shelter if you can ha- help that family and the lads from the search and rescue groups Mallow and Cork they've all been in and around the river they found nothing uh, they found nothing there's not a trace of the man complete mystery 083 Four six double two Oh, wait one mentioned yesterday the electricity credits and how mine landed on my account, and I thought that's grand now, the bill'll be in, and there'll be a nice little bite taken out of it, and there wasn't uh, my full bill was charged despite the fact that the credit was sitting in my account, and I thought, oh, well, maybe it landed before, and the bill was published, and I didn't know, but I, I, the money's there, I'll get me credit down the line. But it happened to thousands of people, and it's a fairly big news story. We'll find out more about it next. 0818 96 96 96.
2: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. Merry Christmas. With your local maze, Great value deals for family and friends this Christmas. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96.
1: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's
5: 96FM. Now so last year we got our energy credits fairly straightforwardly. And I use the word fairly because it wasn't straightforward for 100% of people 100% of the time. But the three 200 quid credits arrived and landed safely and there wasn't really a problem. The first of 350s was due to arrive into our energy accounts or our electricity accounts in the first week of December. And mine did, my energy credit did, I saw it land. But then my bill was taken out in full and the credit, the energy credit was left sitting there. And I thought, well, maybe it's a thing about the timing and the blah, 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 blah. Then I discovered that there's hundreds, if not thousands of people, that that has happened to. And you have to wonder then what is going on. There's a second energy credit due in January. And if it all goes well, then the bill I'm supposed to get at the end of January will have a nice 300 quid knocked off it, which that'll be fine. But what is going on? And also we had a few calls last week. John contacted me last week to say he was told he won't be getting... The electricity credit, he lives in an apartment on his own. He won't be getting the credit because he doesn't use enough electricity. Didn't know the terms and conditions had changed. I must have missed that memo. And then Tracy was in touch with us over the last 24 hours to say she moved suppliers recently and she hasn't gotten it, even though she was assured that she would. Charlie Weston of the Irish Independent says to there are thousands of people affected by various problems to do with this first credit Morning, Charlie. Good morning, PJ. It was all slick and easy last year. This year it isn't. What's going on?
8: Yeah, well, some people, you know, were delayed getting the credits last year, but there seems to be a lot of people who were banking on getting uh, these are people whose bills are in December, um, and a lot of them did just didn't get this credit. They, if you look at your online account, you can probably see 150 euros government credit for your electricity, uh, but you will have got your bill, and just like you, it hasn't come off your bill. Mm. So um, people are scratching their heads. There's confusion. Why am I not getting this? So I got on to, you know, the energy regulator and got on to the biggest supplier, Electric Ireland, and said look at why are these credits not being paid? Um, Their answer is, look, it depends on when your bill was put together and calculated. If your bill was calculated just, you know, before December, it won't have been included because these energy credits didn't come true until December. So, you know, a lot of people... Have have just got a bill and we're expecting this energy credit, and because the bill was calculated just before December, they didn't get the 100, first 150 euro credit. So, it may go. Um, they'll get it in January and may actually get two in January. So, yeah, it could be getting a good 300 euros off their bill. But you know, this is a time of year when you know money is tight. People are spending a lot on Christmas and 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 we're entering a period when lights are on all the time in houses because a lot of people at home. There's people mm. visiting festive lights are on as well so we could do it really so it's a bit of confusion for people and um it's just the date that the, the customer receives their credit depends on the date that their bill, their right. supplier but, sends them their bill. So that's what the confusion is about. So you know, a lot, I had a lot of people on to me panicking, going, "Oh God, why haven't I got this? We should get this, you know." Yeah, uh, but they will be paid. It's just it's a delay and it's frustrating and it's annoying. Well, you've, you've explained are, what happens.
5: In my own situation here, Charlie, is, and I don't mind sharing this with my listeners. So, so my, I'm, my supplier is board Gash Energy, and and I get an email. I got an email in the middle of November uh, to tell me that my latest bill was ready and that I could see it, and I did, and I looked at it, and it said that it would be taken by direct debit around the 10th of December. And I thought, grand, uh, the credit should drop, the credit did drop, so there's my bill on the account, there's my credit on the account, but they took the full bill and never knocked the credit off it. A lot of people have had that. And it, it, it it's a very
8: weird situation when you look at your account, uh, as in your case, PJ, and you see 150 euro credit is there, but it hasn't been taken off the bill. I've got a bill without them deducting that credit. What's going on here? You know, so you know, that 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 is annoying. It's frustrating. Mm. It's, it's confusing for people. Uh, and it, it really is a pity because uh, this is a good initiative, mi- announced in the budget in, in October by Finance Minister Michael McGrath, it's really a pity they just didn't get it out just before December if they got it out in November that would have meant, you know, it, it wouldn't have been a problem for yeah. a lot of people who have a bill that lands or is taken away, taken from them in December so, you know, that's the last time you want a bill anyway, but yeah. wouldn't it be nice if you got your 150 euros taken off that bill, a lot of people did but people other people didn't, so it's 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 frustrating for people, mm. and uh, you know, I you would have thought from last year they would we, it's not like the first time we've done this, they would have been able to suss this out and realize there were some winks last year as well yeah. that they would have got it right this year. They did with the fuel allowance. They, 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 I'm told that that. You know there were some delays with that last year, so they they sorted that out this year. But this energy credit, some people haven't got it yet. No, everybody will get it. There's probably no no. to yeah, oh ah, yeah. Well, well, there's the thing now. John,
5: I took a if call. We'll go through. Sorry, sorry, Charlie. I took a call last week from a man called John who, who lives alone in, in in a in an apartment, and the, the credit didn't land on his account. And when he rang up his supplier, he was told he wasn't eligible because the rules had changed. Can you shed any light on that?
8: He was a no, low a usage on customer. On well, lucky, lucky, lucky him that he's a low usage cu- customer. But I, that's a new one on me. I hadn't seen that. You know, if you if you are a very low use, usage customer, and this people like him are on a, in a very very small minority because most people are getting bumper bills on energy and have been for two years now, and it's taken a very long time for cuts to be announced, and they've only just gone through in the last while. Um, it, it, it that, that that that's very. I, I hadn't known of that. that mm. that's an that's an
5: odd one now. You know, I looked it up on Citizens Information, and there is a category of, of low usage customers, and they're not eligible for it. And there seems to have been a rule change since last year. And then Tracy's situation; she moved supplier. It will move. It just might move more slowly. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to.
8: You know, it's based on your MPRN, your meter point, reference number. So you know it, yeah, and that doesn't change. That's that. That's the consistent uh, reference for your meter. So it should be based on that. So no matter what supplier you go to, this credit should follow you. Mm. Uh, but you know, naturally, there's going to be a hiccup there if you're moving just as this credit is being paid. Yeah. But
5: it should be sorted out I because it you know, goes with uh, your MPRN, doesn't it, Charlie? It goes with that. it does.
8: Yeah, yeah. It it moves with your MPRN. It's it's attached
5: to that. That's what it's attached to. Not your address.
8: Not your supplier uh your supplier will get it uh and 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 they you know they claim it back off the off okay. the government so it should move with that yeah so that that shouldn't be a problem You know, you you can probably appreciate there's going to be a delay there, but it shouldn't be a big delay. The energy company should be able to work this one out.
5: Lastly, and briefly, prices are starting to come down again. Referring back to my own recent electricity bill, it actually arrived in two parts. When I broke down, because there was one set of charges and then another set of charges after another day, it is starting to come down. We're nowhere near pre pre Ukraine yet or pre COVID yet, but but it's coming down.
8: Yeah, there are some helpful signs. You know, we, we've had a second uh, uh, price cut announced by SSE Electricity. Now, that doesn't impact until February, but at least I've announced the second one puts a bit of pressure on the other big players like Electric Ireland, Borgosch, Energia. Uh, you have you've a new company in the market as well, Uno Energy. They are one of the cheapest at the moment, according to independent research done by the regulator. Uh, You know, so that's very positive as well. So and you have these energy credits. So all of that is looking good. Um, And, you know, I know energy prices are generally volatile. uh, The wholesale energy prices are volatile, but we're slowly starting to see some better news on energy. So, you know, yeah, hopefully we're out of the worst
5: of that. God awful energy crisis that we've gone through For two years which has cost us dearly Well we certainly are a lot better off than we were This time last year when the bills were just Starting to come in and they were they were horrendous Charlie thank you and thank you for all your contributions To the opinion uh, throughout the course Of 2023 happy Christmas to you And your team at the Irish Independent that's Charlie Weston Personal finance editor so if you Haven't gotten the credit yet You will get it no one's going to take it Off you it just didn't land In time for your bill you'll get it you might even get two in one in the next bill but that's what happened to me the bill i get the, i get an email in the middle of the month from board gash energy to tell me that my bill is coming out and this is what it's going to cost me and the money will be taken from the bank account on such and such a date and that's fine and the date we were taking the money out of the bank account was the 10th or 11th of december and i thought fine there's me credit gun in on the 2nd or 3rd of december so i thought that's tickety-boo. <laughs> no, they took the bill, took the, the full bill, and, and left the credit after them. But we'll get the benefit the next day. Or so they tell us. Good news for a young man of whom you know I'm a big fan. Uh, Quark's Aaron Hale snooker player. He has qualified. He was a bit disappointed with his um, showing at the Scottish Open there recently. But he's gone and qualified now for the German Open, which is a big event in itself, and he will be playing there next month, uh, the German Masters, rather, and he won his place into the first round, where he will play uh, a young Chinese player who beat Ding Junhui. So, great achievement for young Aaron. Qualified for yet another tournament. He'll be back on the telly. German masters after Christmas. That's great to see. Well done, you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. You want the biggest hits? What about a bit of them? Real nineties, be unreal? Other
2: people
1: would be like, "You want to hear something? song?" I'm like, "Yes, love it. What a tune!" you got them right here.
2: The Hit Mix. The Hit Mix. On Cork's 96 FM. I want new music. I want to hear that new tune. Fresh. Fresh new music. The Hit
1: Mix with Brian McAvoy. The Hit Mix. On your smart speaker. On your phone. And on your radio.
2: Weeknights from
1: 8. On Quartz 96 FM.
2: Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 0833969696.
1: This is The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Quartz 96 FM.
5: Our friends from O'Cruley Butchers with us every day this Christmas week. A 300 euro voucher for the Christmas meat. 60 years in business, cork run business with a rich heritage. O'Cruley Butchers with us this Christmas offering quality meat and produce. So it's Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen today. But what is Chef Ramsay preparing? What is Chef Ramsay preparing today?
6: Very carefully wrap the beef. So all that mushroom and parma ham is encasing the beef. Roll it nice and tight. The secret from here is to really let the cling film do the work.
5: It says you're rolling beef and there's cling film involved. Tell us what he's making, what's he, what's he putting together.
6: And very carefully wrap the beef. So all that mushroom and parma ham is encasing the beef. Roll it nice and tight. The secret from here is to really let the cling film do the work.
5: Yeah, the answer and your name to oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, speaking of food, uh, you can overindulge big time at Christmas. Uh, there's too much rich food. There's turkey and there's ham and there's spiced beef and there's whatever kind of beef he's making, and there's sweets and there's chocolates and there's cake and there's pudding and there's wine and there's wine and there's cheese, and and that's just on Christmas morning. But the stomach can start playing up, particularly if you're, you know, prone to any stomach issues. They can arise at Christmas if you get bothered by things like gastritis or. Irritable bowel or anything like that—you, you, you, you can be heading for trouble uh, at at Christmas time, and it's the kind of way you're heading for trouble. You, you, you don't stop yourself until you're in trouble. Doctor Deirdre O'Donovan is a consultant gastroenterologist at the Blackrock Clinic in Dublin. Deirdre, those of us even who know we're prone to a, a dodgy stomach will take chances at Christmas. Good morning.
13: Good morning, PJ. How are you? You're you're so right. I mean, it's a time of the year where we sort of nearly can't stop ourselves can we 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 overindulge in all directions and it's an absolute disaster for your poor stomach if you're prone to trouble like acid reflux or irritable bowel syndrome so it's it's worth paying attention and trying as best as best we can to moderate ourselves as we head through the season
5: talk about IBS for a minute IBS is a weird thing in that sometimes you never quite know what the trigger is. But what is guaranteed is if you go wild over Christmas, you will hit the trigger before you've even realized you've hit the trigger.
13: Absolutely. So, I mean, most people with IBS, which is Irritable Bowel Syndrome, will be aware from early in their lifetime that they are prone to it. So it's usually something that starts affecting people probably in their teens or early 20s. And the key feature is discomfort in your abdomen or in your tummy and that might be associated with bloating. It might be associated with some constipation or a tendency towards diarrhea. So it can be slightly different for different people. Um, but certainly Christmas is a melting pot for making it worse because for some people, food triggers are a big one. For others, it's stress. And of course, heading into Christmas, whether it's positive or negative stresses, there are stresses associated with it. Um, Dehydration then can be another factor. So you really have to try and be aware of managing yourself as you go through the Christmas period.
5: You you advise that in between cocktails or whatever one is having, there should be plenty of water.
13: (laughs) Absolutely. It's probably, you know, step number one, remember... To stay well hydrated. Uh, so, if you're drinking more alcohol than usual, you really have to match it uh, by drinking more water. And if you can match a glass of water to every cocktail, well, that would be fantastic. Um, but it is a case of making sure you're keeping up with your hydration. And if people just keep an eye on even on the colour of their urine, if it's nice and clear, you're doing a good job. If it's very, very dark, you're way behind in your fluids mm-hmm. and you need to catch up with some water.
5: Get the fluids, get a couple of pints of water into you. Fibre. Get a
13: couple of pints in. Fibre. Fibre. Yeah. So I suppose Christmas, you know, it's 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 all about the cakes and the pastries. Um, and we while there is Brussels sprouts in there, we we tend to shun them a little bit. But if you can just make sure you get a little bit of vegetables in the mix, try and eat a little bit of fruit. Keep that bowel. That bowel needs a bit of fibre to keep movement going through. So people can really be in trouble when they load up on on a lot of uh processed foods and a lot of carbohydrate and we need that fibre just to keep the movement going through the bowel. Mm. That's really, really important.
5: I, I I find often in the days between, say, Stephen's Day and New Year's Eve, discipline goes out the window. You're there watching Netflix at quarter past nine in the morning with a selection box. That's not a breakfast. It's just Christmas. You have to watch that though.
13: You do. And I mean, you know, the goal is not to have eaten all the chocolates that you've gotten for Christmas by New Year's Eve. And <laughs> um, so it is trying to just because Christmas dinner is over, it's trying to get yourself back into some sort of routine and uh, trying to reestablish, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner in some sort of semblance. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just try and get back into a routine, get out, get a walk in the fresh air, exercise, so important during this period as well. We know that getting out for a nice brisk walk is really good for that peristalsis, that bowel movement, Mm -hmm. and good for the head also. So it's about trying to be sensible. It's, its you know, very difficult over the Christmas period. We tend not to be terribly sensible. We tend not to be very moderate in our approach. But that's all that you need is just get back into some sort of routine. And if you can try and do it in that funny period between Stevens's Day and New Year, you'll be back on track.
3: Mm-hmm. The we stress. want
13: everybody to enjoy themselves, but be sensible.
5: Yeah, you mentioned stress earlier on, and it can be very yeah. stressful, that couple of days, particularly all the preparation that goes into it for the one or two days, and then there's this lull. You use that lull to rest and recoup.
13: Absolutely. So important. Um, you know, for a lot of GI, for a lot of gut conditions, whether it's irritable bowel syndrome, whether it's more... Complex conditions like Crohn's disease, a lot of these are affected adversely by stressful periods. So go easy on yourself, because if you don't, you'll pay the price. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's nothing, just pace yourself through the period. And as I said, try and re-establish some sort of a daily routine even over the days where hopefully people are off maybe not working but do try and get back onto your regular meals get back out with a bit of exercise look after your sleep we know now that circadian rhythm is such an important feature of of, of gut function mm-hmm. and at night when you go to sleep your bowel is resting and recuperating and repairing so we need to give ourselves time to rest
5: Christmas can be a particularly troublesome time for people with, I would class them as maybe more chronic or more serious bowel related things, particularly things like Crohn's, colitis, yeah. and, and, and celiac disease. Like, like yeah. Christmas can be full of traps for a celiac.
13: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, you have that group of people who have celiac disease and, and they really can't go near gluten at all. They must avoid it. So everybody needs to be sort of um kind, I suppose, to everyone else and and aware. And even people who may de- maybe don't have celiac but are very wheat intolerant, they also have to try and be sensible uh, and make good choices and steer clear mm-hmm. of the triggers that they know are going to exacerbate their symptoms.
5: Like if like you have a guest for Christmas Day, Stevens Day, whatever, dear, who is celiac, particularly newly diagnosed or anyone like that, how can you help? How can you Help well, to prepare well, the so, so it's not, not, not to yeah. make them sick.
13: No, exactly. So the first thing, I suppose, is good communication beforehand. And and I think it's very nice, if you can, just to, to touch base with them before and ask them, what are they comfortable eating? What are they not comfortable eating? Because often in that first year, um, you know, you, you must absolutely exclude wheat. But often we'd say, look, you know, there, there may be other elements in the diet that you want to sort of, go easy on as well. So it's worth asking them. So keeping it simple, always making sure that you serve sauces on the side um, so that uh food is not contaminated, maybe making sure that if you are using uh, bread knives and cutting bread, that you have a separate bread knife and breadboard for the person with celiac disease, a separate. So there is a, there's a couple of things without making it too difficult mm-hmm. over the Christmas period. But separation and good communication is probably key. But simple, plain food often works really well for celiac mm. disease and also for many other people with gut related problems. And um, I suppose the other one to mention, particularly relevant over the Christmas period, is reflux and acid reflux. Yeah. And of course, we're eating such rich foods and we're drinking so much wine, etc. Reflux can be a real problem for people. So it is a case of being aware that your stomach can only fit so much into it. And it takes about 20 minutes from the time you start eating to when you will start getting a signal from your stomach that that says to you, "I'm feeling full." Yeah. you can pack a lot in in twenty minutes you can do if do, you're you rushing. Can do wreck in so minutes. take mm-hmm. your time, yeah. slow down.
5: Well, eat as slowly,
13: I, give yourself a chance.
5: As somebody who learned during the year dear of the importance of slowing down, through ending up in, in in hospital by burning myself on hot food, I take that much very much on board. <laughs> Lastly, and briefly, are there red flags? When one should call a doctor?
13: Yeah. So I suppose the things that we'd always be very aware of, I mean, if you got very bad chest pain after a big meal or bad abdominal pain, particularly in somebody maybe with an underlying cardiac or harsh condition, That's very important. So you don't want to assume that that is just a bit of reflux with Christmas because sometimes you'll put a real strain on the blood vessels in the abdomen and in the heart with these very, very rich meals and a lot of alcohol. So you'd pay attention to symptoms like that um, after a big heavy meal. Any time that somebody is noticing uh, a change in bowel habit And associated with any bleeding from the back passage, you don't ignore that. You do go and seek medical advice about that also. And but but for the Christmas period, I suppose chest pain would be the big one. And so you, you really try and prevent the the optimize the conditions to try and prevent acid reflux but in somebody who's at risk or if there's a relative in the house and they're complaining of chest pain don't ignore that please bring them down to the to the A&E to get them checked if there's any concerns
5: all right thank you very much for your time this morning for being with us Dr Deirdre O'Donovan consultant gastroenterologist at the Blackrock Clinic Dublin thank you Deirdre the message is a very clear one mind the tummy Over the
2: Christmas. We're playing all your favorite Christmas hits after midday on Corks 96 FM with your local mace. Amazing value, sure to make you smile this Christmas. Listen to your favorite shows on the go.
1: Download the Corks 96FM app.
2: <laughs> the minds are live. Oh, hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96
1: 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696.
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
1: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks
5: 96FM.
2: Now, a very special
5: guest in studio, um, we will be having a presidential election in this country in 2025. And God knows who will be standing in that election. Um, Michael D. Higgins, of course, can't, uh, can't have a third term. So somebody will have to take over the Oris uh, towards the end of uh, 2025. And I'm privileged to have the first declared candidate for that election in studio with me right now. Uh, The election date hasn't been set, nor has the ballot paper been published, but we already have a candidate who is on a pre-election tour of the country. Uh, Reggie, good morning. PJ Oldstock, how are you? I'm very well. You started campaigning
14: very early. I know, which i not, I, you know, I wouldn't have an awful lot to do in my life, really. I have a quiet enough life. I haven't heard a lot of money. Uh, and I think I wanted to get in early because I'm just looking at the calibre of the other candidates that are already in there. Mm. You know, you have Conor McGregor coming in now. Um, like he's from Dublin and that isn't even the worst thing about him. Do you know, PJ? So that's a worry. Uh, Bertie Hearn, you could say almost the same thing about him. Andy Kenny then, the man of the West. I think it's very important to keep those kind of people. Like people say Michael D. Higgins was a man of the West, but you know where Michael D. Higgins is from?
5: He has Cork connections. Yeah, but do you know he's actually from, though? Go on. Limerick.
14: Oh. He kept that quiet, didn't he? <laughs> no, if I was from Limerick, I'd keep it quiet. Do you know what the population in Limerick is? Seven million people. But they can't get anyone to put it down in the census. They're too embarrassed. <laughs> but he's from Limerick, uh, and uh, that whole West Coast, Midwest thing. Well, have we had a president from Cork? I don't think we have. I don't believe we have. Well, we will. 2025, ready for president. And your motto is... What does Mago... Mago. I'm going to make... See, what I want to do is I want to give a voice to the ordinary people of Ireland. People like yourself... Where are you from again? Is it Douglas?
5: I'm, I, well, I'm originally from Toker. Born in Toker. God, I suppose I couldn't well, get Well, born in the Bonds and grow, start, started by growing up in Toker and then Blarney and... Um, Butthamund, and Ballinlock,
14: and now Douglas, yeah. Right. I suppose Douglas, you're probably pleased enough, but it's all with that kind of a claim. I would hate it, obviously, but you're probably delighted with it. You're one of the ordinary people of Ireland um, that have had to live under the yoke of people like Michael D Higgins supporting the arts and all this. You've no interest in an art gallery, do you? When was the last time you were in an art gallery? Um, that's the place where they hang paintings.
5: I had coffee in the Crawford about
3: two years ago.
14: Yeah but again you didn't go in to look at the arts did you? Most people go in to either use the jacks or if they're on holidays (sighs) in Spain if it's very hot they go in for a bit of free air conditioning. I want to bring back the ordinary people of Ireland, MAGA. I'm going to make ordinary great again in Ireland. Uh, The my base that bit, the hat's available on the website um, and that's what I'm running on I'm just going to run on but uh, th- my problem is but how can you identify well, this is with the exactly. ordinary people and Reggie you know
5: with your 4.5 or is it 4.5 has it gone up ah stop 6.8 million 6.8 yeah, million
14: no housing crisis in the Black Rock Road do you know what I could just see and I always wondered how you got to where you did but you're very keen eye and you, were, you put your finger on it there PJ I've never met any ordinary people in my life that's, that's why I live in the Black Rock Road it's, it's great I don't even talk to my gardener but um, um, it's it's I I need to now get out and meet the ordinary people unfortunately. Would you to identify with them? And uh, how am I going to do that? I'm meeting them. I'm going out to my 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 big Reggie, my father always said you should get out and meet the people. So I'm going on a tour, the Reggie for President tour. I'm currently in the middle of it. I've been at some really strange places. Belly cotton. Mm. Have you ever heard of belly cotton? I know belly cotton. Very lovely sign on the way into it, Actually, belly cotton because we couldn't afford Kinsale. I think they have a great sense <laughs> of humour. And I was in Bantier. Do you know they've a new roundabout in Bantir? Bantier? But they didn't get any instructions with it, so they are afraid to use it. <laughs> um, and Lep, Don't know. I was in Connolly's in Lep. Mm. Fabulous place. It's that part of West Cork. These are all campaign meetings. These are cam- Well, they're, no, they're, they're rallies. They're rallies, yeah. They're like like Trump, I suppose, in a way. Um, but, um, but more coherent. And I'm just getting out to meet the ordinary people. And it's been a great tour. Lep, I love that part of West Cork down by Lep. It's for people who can't afford it. Have you chance to carry? I'm going to it's the big one I suppose Um so like my show will normally run it runs the, the rally runs for about an hour and ten minutes but in Kerry because I'll be speaking much much slower I, I can see it going up to two or three hours mm. I'm going to I'm going to list and Ken Mayer in the in the new year I think I'm in mean, Ken Mayer in in February and list then I think maybe April or March or. April. and uh,
5: do, will you have a campaign manager
14: in Kerry is Sean Mike Sean Mike Sean Mike, Sean Mike O'Shea O'Shea is, is coaching me at the moment he's my, my neighbour on the Black Rock roads that's the one element of a housing crisis we have there that anyone can buy a house and he bought a house next to me so he's helping with the kind of vagaries of because you know the classic thing in Kerry it's like Schrodinger's cat if you ask a Kerry man a question yeah it is and it isn't <laughs> so he's helping with that kind of weird unanswered question that I'll have to deal with when I go down there
5: What, what, what have you?
14: what have you achieved? Reggie? Well, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. I'm the president of Cocky, the captain's of Cork industry. Mm-hmm. So we're an elite business group, um, mavericks and risk takers who just happen to work in our own man's business. And I've i have been at it for years now. And you know, the best thing I've achieved is beach apartheid. I don't know about you, Nori, but have you ever, like, i I, I, I love Crookhaven, okay, Mm. not crook, you don't call it crook, that's for people in darkness. I'm
5: fond of Fountainstone myself.
14: I'm I'm sure you are, I'm not a bit surprised, I'm not a bit surprised, and you stay in Fountainstone because that's a kind of suitable place for yourself, but I can go to Crookhaven and suddenly find myself sitting next to a plumber from Skibbereen who thinks he's some kind of yachtsman because he got an inflatable kayak in Lidl. So as president of Cocky, I've instituted beach apartheid, have you heard about this? So we've divided up the beaches, the beaches in East Cork, they're for the Norries, um, and that's because ideal big wide open beaches like Gary Vaux perfect places for them to play hurling with their greyhounds and but, then um, uh, the beaches from and these are ones that would include yourself now from, from Myrtleville down to Skull right that's for the kind of woman from the Douglas Road who can bring herself to climax at the thought of her daughter marrying a doctor <laughs> I saw it done at a party once in Kinsale to use the noise out of her but <laughs> And now, the the danger of that, of course, is and just to point out, there's a beach there in the middle, Onahincha. Are you familiar with Onahincha? That's kind of a nori enclave. Yes, that's Ballyfie on sea, basically. (laughs) My friend, Milky Pilkington, went in for a swim there once. Do you know what happened? He came out with a tattoo. Glasgow (coughs) Celtic. So keep away from that one. And then Skull West. And that's a massive achievement and that's vastly improved life for Mm. people in Coral. You
5: you have a fairly... But then again, you have a little enclave in the middle there, the Glandor... Yeah, a certain class of people
14: go to Glandor too. You know, there is. I've, I, my phrase. It's, it's 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 you know. I have a couple of phrases to express how rare something is. One is this, it's as rare as a PhD in Kilmallock, but the other one is it's as rare as a Catholic in Glandor You ever notice that? It's quite a quite a, it's a lovely part of the world. That's why I, I
5: called it an enclave.
14: Yes, yeah, yeah. lovely uh, part of the world.
5: You, should you be elected, who would be your chief of staff?
14: Well, I Bunty Harrington would be. Would Bunty? Question. Bunty. Oh, Is yeah. he out of jail? No, no, that's my Scoby Comfort, that's my accountant. Um, Bunty was in as well recently for a parking issue, but no, he's back out. Scoby spends almost all, all his time there now, because the food is getting very good in, in the white Collar in Montjoy. But um, Bunty, no, Bunty would be the, would Bunty be the chief of staff. A uh, very loyal friend sat next to me in school. I mean, he's an IQ of about 30, but he's just a marvellous friend. And loyalty, I really I, I prize loyalty. I,
5: I understand from your manifesto that you want to change the name of and Anukteron, you want to change the national anthem, and... Yeah. You want to eliminate bungalows.
14: That's right. I mean, uh, I think Orson thrown Look, I won't go into the reason, but Orson is a very embarrassing name. I'm going to change that to Chateau Ian Paisley. Huh? Okay, yeah. So that, that act of reconciliation will go out around the world. And then can you imagine the money I'll make when I put up the building up on Airbnb? i make a fortune out of that, right? Now, obviously, I'll have to balance that because you can't then...
5: Chateau Ian Paisley.
14: Do you like it? I think it's I brilliant. Could be, I, I could consider it to be politically... Politically sensitive. As a president is not supposed you're to You're dead be. right. You're dead right. Well I will be. No, you're dead and to that I'm going to balance that, I'll change the national anthem to Ua Up the <laughs> Right. So I think and it's very important to balance and you know people say, Oh God no, that's gonna put the loyalists off. But you know, I know Jeffrey Donaldson. You know they have a great sense of humor, the DUP.
5: Have you ever seen Jeffrey Donaldson and Daniel O'Donnell in the same room?
14: I, I no. And again I think this is the key to it. That's you know <laughs> I'm gonna bring Jeffrey Donaldson's country music aspect out of him um, and, and, and and bring him on board. So, yeah, and, and the other thing is, is the housing crisis, as yeah. I, I've mentioned already. Um, and driving around the country, I've noticed people live in bungalows. Have you? Are you familiar mm-hmm. with these? Never saw them in my life before. So it's where, like, a guy starts building a house, but he runs out of money. And okay. he just has the ground floor. And then he's forced to live in this thing for the rest of his life. Mm. What do you so, want to do there? Hmm? What do you want to do for him? Well, what I want to do is, because there's also loads of people in their 30s who can't afford to buy a house, semi-detached house even, because they spent all their money on avocados and tattoos. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to put a second floor in every bungalow in the country. Right, so people will no longer live in a bungalow. And then there'll be a, a home upstairs for people in their 30s who spent all their money on avocados and tattoos. It's the end of the housing crisis. I can't believe people haven't thought of it already. It's You know, it's 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 hiding in plain sight. Pat
5: Fitzpatrick, um, this <laughs> kind of idiocy started during during COVID. And now it's led to, you're on your, what, second or third stage show? This is the third, yeah. And another book. This is, a, this is the first Reggie book, yeah. So it's very useful for someone like yourself now, given your... Toker, Buttervent,
14: Douglas, which is an element of social climbing, in a way. Yeah. You've, you've gone up. Well, Blarney. Yeah. Blarney. Well, I don't know about that. But, um, yeah, but, but yeah, a, a little bit of social. So I have a book, Reggie's Guide to Social Climbing, 20, 24 Steps mm-hmm. to Help You Climb the Social Ladder. Um, it's based on my second stage show. Very generous, 24 Steps, because, like, the alcoholics only give you 12 steps, right? But I have 24 <laughs> steps in there, and I guarantee that this, obviously, you're not going to get to my level of society. Let's not be ridiculous, but, uh, Reggie wouldn't allow that, but, yeah. It's a bit of crack. It's a bit it's, it's a, a great of fun pad that started
5: during COVID. You start doing little minute-long videos on on yeah, that's right Twitter and whatever it's called these days, and and it just took off. for You like stage show, man. It was timing. It was timing. I think. I
14: think a lot of it was actually. I have a theory of WhatsApp was the key. GA WhatsApp groups when COVID was happening. Right. They they had nothing to share. They're nothing but bad news. Remember that from WhatsApp. Everyone was just sharing mm. COVID figures, and these these COVID these GA's training groups for kids. And I see it with my own one. They're mad to, to communicate, but no one could communicate. And what they started doing is, I wasn't the only one doing it. Ty Kiki was another one, sharing videos mm. that pop up. And these became the new communication that was just something that wasn't anything to do with COVID or if Twilight was having a laugh. And I think, you know, it was timing. I was lucky. I was just lucky. And so I suppose like I'd been doing the Ask Audrey column in The Examiner and, and Shalom. Yes. Yeah. And that was the groundwork for the type of characters that I wanted to have in the Reggie videos. I mean, Reggie was a minor character in that, but. It drew on a couple of those characters, mm. so I kind of had the and you know Cork has uniquely, uh, shall we say, like just it's the, the pretension that there's no class system in Cork is obviously <laughs> the biggest joke of them all. But uh, you have to know your you have to know your signifiers. Are you let
5: back into Ballancolig after the last scene in one of your shows? Um, I yeah, uh, no, actually, I've a, a literally blew of Balangkolig off the map. I know, yeah, 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 yeah. No, do you know what they're very forgiving?
14: Um, and I, because the one has been asking me whether I'd been the Reggie President tour. Melancholic. They don't even. They've got a bus now. The twenty four hour bus runs in past, virtually past the Everyman, and I've been the Everyman again in in April. Very good present, by the way. If you're looking to give someone a Christmas present, mm-hmm. but um, so yeah, the tour is the idea is to get out to to meet the people this time though, um in kind of smaller venues. It's How was it
5: transferring, crack. Pat? I mean,
14: the, you see, the I've one. written that the idea, the, like the first one, was very cork. You even mentioned it. had a map where you know you had to understand what what blowing Balancholic off a map mm. meant. Second one less so. This one. I've literally got jokes that I change as I go from place to place because you kind of, they probably wouldn't get the difference between the Skyhard Road and Ballon Lock down in Kenmare. Do you know what I mean? So you kind of have to make it more local and make it more relevant to the people you're talking about. But that's very easily done because when you're on social media, you can just ask people, what's the poshest road in Kenmare? And they 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 love sharing that kind of, and then they will have a fight over it, which is yeah, half the fun. You have
5: to have a mention of the Healy Rays in Kerry. I mean, he, Michael might stand <coughs> against Reggie for president. Like. He is. If he doesn't, I mean, he'd be the other.
14: He obviously he'd be on his campaign thing. But uh, you wouldn't when you're in when you're in South Kerry. I, I, have, I have this notion that they're actually, closet uh, intellectuals. But you know that this <coughs> is it's all a show, and the, they would definitely have been in art galleries in their time. But mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, but you look, the, the Kerry people have been in the making of it as well because they've engaged with it. Yeah. throughout, and have been great crack. And that's why we're doing two shows yeah. in, in Kilmer and Lestole. You're, and you're, you're thrilled by how this has taken off. I, ah, yeah, yeah. Every is, time we chat about it, you, no, you can't quite believe it, can it's, you? It's unreal. I've always liked comedy. I've always liked live shows. Mm. Um, and sure, I'm 56 now. Like, I started doing this probably when I was, what, 53. So I never, I thought the ship had sailed, you know, mm. that I'd ever get a chance to, to do it. And it's a fairly small scale now, but, you know, I'm trying to do a TV show in the new year as well. But, um... But you know, it's it's really small scale at the moment. But it's so enjoyable, and the the smaller shows out around the country, 150 people, where there there was in Monkstone now recently down in St John's yeah, Church, yeah, the old the Protestant Church down there, and it was just such a crack because they're they're literally sitting on top of you in the pews, um, and they're lovely shows then
5: because yeah. you can you're eyeballing people there. I, I was I was sitting with everyone I well the first and second time I I saw the show and there was a woman sitting. In the seat in front of me, and she was shaking her head. <laughs> head. Jesus, he's right. I know. <laughs> and you know. That's when you hated. it I know what you were saying. But you're, Jesus, he's right.
14: As Homer Simpson always said, like it's funny because it's true. Um, and that's and you know, a lot of Reggie's humour is literally about roads and places and mm. snobberies and kind of small things that you know when you notice them, you notice them. Um, and she, I enjoy that. And. Sure.
5: You know. Pat, continuous success. The book is out. A nice little little um, stocking, stocking filler. filler and it is. It's, it is in plenty plentiful supply. Reggie's going to social climbing.
14: I believe it's doing very well. It's in it's in all the bookshops and it's online as well. Please sure tell me good. you're wearing something under that robe. Well, no, that's that's for people to decide. That's you. will have to read the book to find out.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Pat Fitzpatrick, Happy Christmas to you. Thank you. And Cheers. To that. Reggie, aka Pat, aka Reggie, aka a Cast of Thousands. Um... Campaigning for president in 2025. Give me better, I ask.
2: We're playing all your favorite Christmas hits after midday on Corks 96 FM. Christmas! Christmas. With your local mace, making your Christmas extra special with festive offers. Listen to Corks 96 FM on your smart speaker.
1: Simply say, play. Corks 96 FM. It's just
2: this. Corks
1: 96 FM. In the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96, 96. This is The Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan. Corks
5: 96 FM. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. I'm delighted for Pat. De- I remember when the first Reggie videos started appearing on Twitter and I thought, that's mad. That is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And look at it now. A couple of stage shows later and t- Reggie rolling for president. Delighted for Pat. Delighted. Okay. Oh, wait, Kate says, I'm sure Reggie would love the lady who cuts her hedge with the nail scissors. I'm sure if she's broad-minded, Kate, definitely. <laughs> now, there's a people... Colette Sheridan has a piece in the Echo today. Um, and Colette, you don't need me to tell you, read the column, but she doesn't go to Mass anymore. I'm not too sure if she even believes in God anymore. She's certainly born a Catholic and raised a Catholic, but I'm not too sure if she subscribes to the Catholic religion anymore, and she's free to join me and discuss it if she wants to. But Colette is asking a question. Are you going to be a hypocrite this Christmas, she says? Are you going to trot off to Mass, despite the fact that you never darken the doorstep of a church, other than for funerals or weddings, communions or confirmations? Christmas Day, she says, brings out the traditionalist in a lot of people necessitating going to Mass to celebrate the birth of the Saviour. Weekly Mass attendance, she then tells us, is about 30%, according to a new survey, but almost 6 out of 10 people say they will attend Mass at Christmas. She said she used to do her bit for hypocrisy by going to Mass on Christmas Day to please her parents. Now they're no longer with us there's no need to go, so it wouldn't bother her really, if only for the singing. It's people over 55, they found, are most likely to go to religious service Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. But it just got me thinking, and it's quite a good piece actually. As she writes about Christmas and the religious aspect of it, and the I suppose there is a certain amount of hypocrisy that you don't set foot inside a church for 11 and a half months of the year, and yet you're there bothering God for two weeks over Christmas with crib visits and confirmation, confessions and mass and the whole... But that is what it is, and it's if it's what you do, it's what you do. And I stopped, well, I didn't stop going. I, I, I do Midnight Mass. I like Midnight Mass, and I've always loved Midnight Mass. This is just me. It's very personal to me. But I hated when they started moving Midnight Mass back to 11 o'clock and 10 o'clock, and 9 o'clock. To me, midnight is midnight. And there's no argument about it. So the last couple of years, I started watching Midnight Mass on the television. Um, They do it in both RTE and on BBC. Last year, they had a lovely, it was lovely, um, Midnight Mass service on BBC from Birmingham, which I watched. And I attended it like I was attending Mass on Christmas Eve. Um, I, I I will not go to mass at ten o'clock Christmas Eve and claim it to be midnight mass. That is just me. Um, it's, it's it's whatever you think about mass, I guess. Or do you go to mass Christmas Eve? Do you go to any kind of service at all Christmas Eve? And are you one of these people that Colette talks about that never darkened the door of a church other than communions, funerals, weddings, confirmations, etc., etc. And then you go to Mass on Christmas Day. Are you one of those people? The whole religious element of Christmas is is, is up for discussion these days, I think. When there was times when it wasn't, and that wasn't a good thing. Now now it is up for discussion, and you can take it and do it your own way. And that is a good thing. Anna then says there are plastic-looking figures representing a crib placed in a corner of Kinsale near the bus stop. It's tacky and cheap. Also, the baby Jesus is in it now, for he shouldn't be there yet. It's all wrong. That's from Anna. And do you remember Maureen was on last week with me and she was giving out yards because in her local church the crib with the wood and the straw and the lights, and that's not there this year. Hasn't been. Now they've replaced it with statues, little statues, on the altar. And she says that is not a crib. A crib is a crib. It's not that. So certain elements of the religion you know, they, 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 they annoy people. They bother people, but there's my thing. Midnight mass is not midnight mass if it's not at midnight. So I'll get it on the telly. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yesterday I spoke to Mary. Mary's in the UK and had to cancel an annual weekend trip home. You'll find the podcast up on our list of podcasts there if you check it out through the app. But Mary was literally sitting on a plane to fly home. For a weekend of catch ups with various people, when she was told, Well, we can't get your wheelchair into the hold of the plane, so you have to, she had to get off the plane and cancel her weekend. Now, this is a, a wheelchair that has travelled with her on many a plane, and she's going to appeal it and going, going to, you know, seek for some retribution, I think, from, from Service Air because she feels she's entitled to it. They'd approved the, they'd approved the, the wheelchair at the, at the airport and they'd approved the wheelchair. When she booked her flight, there was no good reason not to approve the wheelchair. So she was terribly disappointed. She cancelled all those things, including, and most importantly, meeting her birth mother, uh, which she does every Christmas. But that prompted a call from Ina. Um, Now, Ina, the point you're making is, well, it's a very hard life for people in a chair. Morning.
4: Good morning, PJ. Yes, it is. And, you know, you try to make people who have to live in chairs, life as normal as possible for them. I had a, an experience of a hotel in the Midlands. I made inquiries about it to see, is it possible to get in there? Uh, and they said, oh, yes, it is. Drove up and there was these steps into it. Now, bear in mind, we'd stay there previously and was told, oh, yes, you can get in there now. It, it has been changed. Mm. I went in and asked, where can you get? Oh, you can get in. Through the leisure centre area, your husband uses it.
5: the chair, and it's a motorised yes. chair.
4: Yes, yes, okay. it is, and um, you can go in through the leisure centre area. No, I don't think that's acceptable now. To me, to me, it's not acceptable. Oh, he can go in through the service quarters. That's in my head. So anyway, I went up to the counter. Bear in mind, I had asked a few weeks previously, "Have you changed?" Oh, they said, "Yes, we've changed." It now he can get in through the main main entrance. Okay. So I asked and this man came over to me and he said, oh, nobody told you that. Well, I said, yes, it is. So anyway, he came in through through the leisure centre area and um, I said, can he now go to the other bar? There's another bar in this hotel down at the front, the old part of the bar. Can he go down there? Uh, He can go through the wedding. I said, what do you mean through the wedding? He had the steps at the, the area going it but he can go through the wedding oh dear and that's okay but I said no I don't think it's right that he should have to go through somebody's wedding I said so I in order like to get down
5: for a drink in the bar which is down and steps and he can't do steps the old bar he had to go through a function that he had nothing to do with
4: yes and they thought that was okay but well, I said I don't think that's right or else go back out through the reception all around the hotel and in through the out out the other door. But I said, I don't think that's right. But anyway, he's a, he's a very quiet man. I'd be more fiery than him because I don't think it's right. Mm. It's like, does he want to? Does he want, you know, it's not right in this day and age that people with disabilities are treated like this, in my opinion. So anyway, we were, we checked in and uh, I didn't go down with him later on to meet his relations and uh, they met. But it got very noisy, so they decided that they'd come back back to the, 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 the newer, newer part of the hotel we'll see it <laughs> and he wouldn't go back through the through the wedding again I and they came out around back to the, to the through the leisure centre the leisure centre door was locked the intercom didn't work so the person that was with him had to go to the hotel for them to go down to open the, oh, no. the leisure centre door to little men in. in this day and age is not right and no. it's a top that hotel so look that lady in the, in the in the plane, oh my God, she fired me on this morning to make this. And I think we as able-bodied people will have to look after people less fortunate enough. Maybe wrong wordings there, but we have to. Mm-hmm. Like it is 2023, nearly 24, and we still are doing this to people in wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. And we try to give them independence. My husband wants his independence to be able to go, and I want him to be able to go. I don't have to be around after him all the time. He wants to be able to do these things yeah. on his own yeah. and yeah. then to be faced with oh. this go, yeah. in the le- go in the leisure centre door there, you're all right. I'm not all right. You have to be able to go in the main door like everybody else. Now, I did speak to the manager the following morning, and uh, he was like, oh, you can't, get, you can't put anything in there, only the steps big high steps, but even people with operations with hips or knees couldn't come up them steps, they're too steep. And if anybody fell on them, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm losing the plot a little bit with it, but I don't think I am. I don't think you
7: are. I don't think
5: you are. You take Mary, who was on the programme with me yesterday. She makes this trip every Christmas, and Mary is fiercely independent once she gets a little bit of help along the way. Every so often just to negotiate something awkward with the chair. I'm sure your husband is the same. Just needs yeah. a bit of help here and there. And as a society, yeah. we need to recognise that.
4: Absolutely. And and this is what I meant. Like, tell him he can go in through the leisure centre door. That's not good enough now. It's not good enough. Why should he have to go in through a leisure centre door? Why should he have to go into anybody's wedding to go down to the other bar? Why should he? He shouldn't have to. I wouldn't like somebody like that coming through my wedding. I I just, maybe I'm wrong there but
5: like, I, don't. I don't think you are, I know. I think, I know I think you make a very reasonable point mm,
4: I think so too <laughs> Look, So that's all I have to say But you fired me up I said, I, I like The the manager was to having none of it Just having none of it And like, it was an expensive night I know. It was an expensive night to spend for b and B. I
5: I know I know, yourself and your husband Hopefully have a happy Christmas And We
4: will indeed Thank and you listen, Thank you very much And you fired me on yesterday Tell Mary she fired me on to make this call to you, and I think it had to be done. And thank you so much for listening to me, and you and yours, Harold, have a very happy Christmas, Peter. And thank you very, very much.
5: Well, you're well You're very. You're more than welcome. Aina, uh, have have a lovely day and a lovely Christmas. The, 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 you can hear the the passion in her voice, can't you? Uh, like that, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Uh, he he can come in through the the ledger centre, and he wants to go down for a pint in the bar down there he can go through the wedding what wedding? the wedding that's in the function room that's how he like that's not good enough not at all if you go into any of the modern hotels I'm thinking in particular now of the the, the lovely Maldron down on the South Mall there if you go in there there's a little lift to bring someone up that couple of steps that, that's basic these days you would think in, in any place any self-respecting establishment, calling it a hotel, calling itself a hotel, should have ramps and should have lifts and should have all those things. I I always remember the words of uh, my friend Carol. Um, Carol's a little person. And she was chatting to me one time and she said, PJ, it's a lot easier for you to operate in a world built for me than the other way around and again I think of Mary in her wheelchair and that Ina's husband in his wheelchair it's an awful, lot for, for, an awful lot easier for us to get around in a place that's built and designed to be accessible than it is for them in our place, if you, if, if you get my meaning, let's maybe resolve in 2024 that we will think that way about those people around us whose mobility isn't maybe as good as how it is. Join the conversation. Call
2: us now. 0818-969696.
1: This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. 96FM. Join the
2: conversation. Text or WhatsApp. 0833969696.
1: This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan.
5: 96FM. more people on Twitter about the unseasonal weather and hearing birds. At two and three and four in the morning. Andrew says it's to do with street lights and other artificial lights. The birds think it's dawn. There's a thing now with so much Christmas lights, and of course you can afford now to keep your Christmas lights on all night because they don't LEDs use hardly any energy. They cost you hardly anything. LEDs. Um I'm about to talk about old Christmas and we'll remember the old Christmas lights. Remember them ones? Anyway, that's to come in a minute. But maybe 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 Andrew's right there. Maybe there's so much light around now that, that, that the birds are con- are confused and maybe they do think it is dawn at quarter past three in the morning. Maybe, maybe. Thanks thank you, Andrew. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Our friends at O'Cruley Butcher's with us all this week with a three hundred euro voucher per day to help you prepare for the Christmas. Cork-run business with a rich heritage Over 60 years in business Offering the best in meat and quality Produce We have a chef, today it's Chef Ramsey. He's making something What is he making? Um, we're just taking the bits of the recipe The recipe itself runs to about 8 minutes But we're just taking little bits of it So what is he making for us today?
6: Very carefully Wrap the beef So all that mushroom and parma ham Is encasing the beef Roll it nice and tight. The secret from here is to really let the film do the work.
5: He's encasing it. He's rolling it. He's putting it into cellophane. That really can only be one thing. What is it, though?
6: Very carefully wrap the beef. So all that mushroom and parma ham is encasing the beef. Roll it nice and tight. The secret from here is to really let the film do the work. 083-396-96-96,
5: 083-396-96-96, oh, three, three, give us the answer and your name, please. Now, there was a lovely piece in the Hollybough this year about Christmas food, do you know? And uh, Shane Lehan was looking back at Christmas food when he was growing up, and Christmas dinner when he was growing up. And you know what, Shane, I don't know whether they are younger or older than me, but, but I can remember very much the half a grapefruit with a little bit of a tin cherry on top of it. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Good morning.
12: Morning, PJ Anderson. Lovely to talk to you. And uh, first of all, can I, because I'll forget to do it, let me wish all the listeners there a very happy Christmas. You're really getting us into the into the mood. But um, I, I remember eating those Class A cherries as well, cherries as well coming home from school in Ballinlock from St Anthony's uh, afterwards. You know, they were like little sweets. But I don't know what they were doing on top of the, the half a grapefruit, which was as sour as anything. But it 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 was a starter. And we never ever had a starter in all our born days, except on Christmas, Christmas day, day. You know, and they put it's, sugar it, it on the, the day, on the grapefruit. I can remember the sugar yeah. being sprinkled on the grapefruit. That's it. And our mother used to pull out a kind of um a, a kind of a dessert fork or a small little fork. And of course, what would happen, of course, is that you, you, you we could never extract the grapefruit from it. Yes, it was sure. never an easy process, you know. And the other little thing was that it was often as well. Sometimes the ubiquitous prawn cocktail was there. You know, they were uh, the, the prawns. I'd say I hadn't seen the sea for for, for many times. They were shrimps inside in a tin that we mixed up with a bit of God, a bit right. of. A bit of salad cream that we coloured with with, with maybe a bit of tomato sauce and put on a little piece of lettuce, you know, in a glass. And we thought we were like in the Ritz, you know, Mm. it was absolutely marvellous. The shrimp being strained, though, the tin, that's right there. But we, we always had our, our dinner that day, uh, PJ. We we always lived in the kitchen at home, you know. We all lived inside in one little room where the we had our f- food there. We did our lessons there. That's where the fire was lighting and everything. But on Christmas Day, we, we, we lit the fire in the in the sitting room, as it was called, and we had our dinner in the dining room. Rooms that were, that were frostbitten for the rest of the year, you know. But we, we went in there and the tablecloth was brought out and our mother would bring out delft that had been given as way, Presents and so on, and there was a candle put on the table, and well oh, we were. This was absolutely marvelous, and I love it too, PJ, because actually Christmas Day is my birthday, so oh. I had this huge investment into Christmas Day, and the the excitement. I can still feel uh, the, the 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 preparations and the effort and the anticipation. You know that was, that was there. You know,
5: yeah. I loved reading your piece about you know, the 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 old food preparation and the way we did things and i remember my mother with an electric carving knife and i remember <laughs> they being the thing you'd give someone an anniversary present
12: but when you look at them now you like we destroyed oh, yeah. the food with it absolutely and they were the like we i remember you will remember too there was a thing called the green shield stamps I do. and the green shield stamps came out when you were getting petrol and things like that and we were the this was the beginning of kind of Consumerism with kind of newfangled uh, gadgets, if you like, and the electric oscillating knife. All it did was it just created kind of a sawdust of the ham That's and right. spiced beef. <laughs> it, and, made you know, it, and it made bits of ham. It made bits of destroyed it completely when you, when you think of it you know but like the the big thing for me as well PJ was that like we, we uh, you know you have to forget that you know there were no vegans and there were no vegetarians long ago really like with, with apologies to all my pals who were vegans and vegetarians but everyone was a, a, a carnivore, an omnivore and you had a huge feast. You had the turkey, which was the centerpiece, of course, and the turkey had to be stuffed as well, like it wouldn't just be on its own. You know, you had, and some people had the potato stuffing, some people had the bread stuffing. Those who had the potato stuffing had come from the tradition of the goose slam go, which was much more traditional in the countryside. But when the turkey took over, people still loved the potato stuffing. And mm-hmm. we bought then, we had to go down and buy the ham, of course. You go into O'Donovan's, and Princess Street, that was the place with the ham. And then you had to get the spiced beef. And to me, I still love the whole concept of the spice beef. Sneakily, last week weekend, I got a little bit of spice beef for myself before hey. Christmas because I just, I don't want to keep it all for the one day hey. because you have such a surfeit of food on Christmas Day. And there was a it
5: gorgeous own. sandwich, a warm spiced beef sandwich.
12: Yeah, a good bat spread
5: with good thick butter in
12: it. That's okay. it. And a nice little bit of fat on the spice Beef too, might I add. It's where the flavour is. You know, if it's too lean, it doesn't really Absolutely. work. Like. Oh my God. But that yeah. was a great part, PJ, of the great connection between Cork and the West Indies, you know, because that, that pepper that gives spice beef—it's a distinct flavour—was Jamaican pimento, allspice, and that really was a part of the exchange. We were sending the butter over, and we were getting back the spice. You know, yeah. Tom so, Durkin
5: was telling me that story a few weeks ago. all right, that it was to do with it, it was foreign spices to preserve meat on boats.
12: Absolutely, that was that was the whole thing, and we we had that huge trade here. But the other little thing I wanted to mention to you, which I think is very funny, is our obsession with potatoes. You know, the most important thing for the for the Christmas dinner was the roast potato. You know, roast, roast. potatoes were. No, no, do mind yeah. that roast, mashed, boiled right that's right and, and a bit of potato stuffing as well just to go in there it because used. like you know yeah so like you, you you wouldn't just get one and the croquettes of course had to come in oh, on, as they <laughs> were very fancy so it's about five different potatoes there PJ alone you know mm-hmm. and then there was the gravy had to be made and there was another gang had to make bread sauce and then cranberry we never made the cranberry I don't it, know, what, it yeah, what,
5: what, what pervert thought of bread sauce I, it's just such a filling it's like eating it's like eating <laughs> wallpaper paste but the, 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 the I love the memory of the of the meat. What was it about us back then? We, we I don't. Maybe we were less nuanced as as a society about
12: how to cook. Every, all the meat was as dry. As an order we tried it out. We tried it because you see, we, our mothers were obsessed really with, I mean, there was no regulation in the cookers either. There was gas cookers. There was electric cookers. They weren't great. You'd be putting it in at, at seven o'clock in the morning. We all got ready. There was the, there was a Santee that had to be looked after. People had to be dressed and to be washed and we were taken out to mass. And then after that, you'd be up to your Auntie Rita and you'd be off meeting all the relatives and there'd be singing and there'd be glasses of sherry and all of that. People were coming home, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon, and there wasn't one person basting anything or turning it down or turning it up. So the, the turkey was literally just dry. And I love, I have to say, I still love the brown meat, you know. Yes. People are obsessed with the white meat, but the brown meat was moist at least, you know. Yes. And that was really a a, a treat. And I, I, I kind of, and you know what really I loved, and this sounds awful we used to love the Pope's nose, right? So the Pope's nose on the chicken, which was the tail end, that fatty little clump, if you like, that was crispy and the skin on it, you know? And a lot of people, like, turn away from that, but that was relished in the past. The Pope's nose.
5: Now, there's a new one on me.
12: Shame. Never heard that yeah. expression, the Pope's nose. What the, the Pope's nose was at the end. But then, this is the great thing, right? So you had a pile of stuff up in your plate. Of course, and I have to mention, because if I don't mention this, people will give out to me the Marifat peas. Okay? Ah. So the, 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 the Marifat peas had to be soaked overnight, and it was a, a little. Little tablet that we put in, which was I don't know some sort of caustic soda that, that absolutely kind of disintegrated the peas, but it gave it a terrible metallic taste as well. You know, when you were eating the heating the the, the marifats, and they were boiled up, and you know, then you had the Brussels sprouts as well that came oh. on afterwards. You know, and there was no such thing. To, there, there was no
5: such thing as biting a vegetable.
12: You you could oh slurp no, it. Oh no, there were there oh, were oh, goo. <laughs> Absolutely right, and not only that because we had a kind of a dislike for it. There was there was a great um, thing called Yorkshire relish, which not isn't the thick sauce now, but the the thin one like the Lee and Perrins. I do remember to everything, everything in that because that made everything edible. You know, also been so been you put that a that moisture on there <laughs>
0: the the other other little
12: thing then was you know you had to try and put all of that on a plate and of course swimming and gravy and everything else and try and work your way through that and you, you you never ate so much food in any one day but this is the next part what I can't get over is then came on this absolute abundance of desserts right so first of all it was the sherry trifle yeah. Literally a half a bottle of Harvey's Bristol cream into the the sponge at the bottom of that with the with the birds custard and the the whipped cream. How much cream we got through? I don't know. Then when you were finished that, you'd have the the plum pudding which came with the with the Hennessy brandy doused all over it, and and you're trying to light it, which were matches. And then after that, of course, someone might say we will have a slice of the uh, Christmas cake now, and that was soaked in pudding that you got from mm-hmm. someone out the country. And then then there was a mince pie, right, and then like for some reason it was absolutely daft that whole thing and but I always remember though which is very important to me I remember we'd always have a drink right and in our house it was because we had so much whipped cream we used to make an irish coffee kind of instant coffee now with a, a bit of whiskey in it and so on yeah. and my father god be good to my lovely father tyke he would always 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 uh, give us the toast and the toast was Gmerimid <laughs> mairimid <laughs> And you know what? we might be all alive this time 12 months.
5: We might look back at it and laugh, but I know from my childhood there are photographs of wonderful Christmas days when we all ate too much and we swelled up to twice our normal weight. <laughs> and those of us, I, 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 I never remember, I, 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 I laughed when you said Blue Nun. Blue Nun was for posh people. <laughs> we got a box. <laughs>
12: we had a box yeah, with ble- a tap on it. Oh, you- Oh, you're afraid, Jesus, that, that was right. Listen, we, we had Black Tower and we didn't know whether red wine or white wine was going to come out of it, right? And we, t- we had no idea what, what it was going to taste like. But we were particularly drawn to the Mattis Rosé and the Chianti bottles because you could actually do a bit of make and do with those afterwards <laughs> stick shells onto them or yeah. make, make a flower pots out of the bottles. Like that. Exactly. Yeah. Shane it's a pleasure
5: uh, and the, 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 your your piece in, in the Hollibow is just lovely and the, the great memories and great talking to you and have a wonderful wonderful Christmas and a happy birthday too on Christmas Day Shane. Thanks, Shane Lehan take care of yourself. Take care. Thank you very much. And there's a podcast as well. John Dolan done the Hollibow podcast with Shane. That's fantastic. I love that. I can remember that
6: like it was yesterday. You absolutely can. Right, what we got? Very carefully, wrap the beef so all that mushroom and parma ham is encasing the beef. Roll it nice and tight. The secret from here is to really let the cling film do the work. What is it, Catherine Sheehan?
4: It's a uh, beef Wellington. Beef
6: Wellington,
5: and he beef is Wellington. a joy to watch working. In fairness to,
4: oh my god, fantastic! I used to make that in school long <laughs> ago.
5: Have you had the, everything done for the Christmas?
4: Uh, well I have most things done anyway but um, I'm delighted to know I'm after winning something here now <laughs>
5: when you, You've got 300 euros worth That from is Truly's.
4: unbelievable Unbelievable, they're fantastic though their meat is brilliant
5: You'll be sorted for everything Have you the hair oh,
4: well, sorted? Uh, well my brother's getting me the ham because he's coming for dinner so he's bringing the ham right, well, Have, you, get have you the, the hair ham. done? Um, no, I haven't got the hair done. I would
5: all know not yet. You have, to, you have to start that out. <laughs> we
4: will start all that out. We will, of course, definitely. Catch and <laughs> have, have a lovely Christmas. Dinner.
5: <laughs> have a lovely Christmas. You're, you're our winner for today.
4: all of you. I love listening to you. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks ever so much. much thank, thank you
5: very much. much. We're right up against it. Timeways always, this always happens Christmas. we just way over time. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Virgo Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. We've two shows left to Christmas. We start again tomorrow, just after nine.
2: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. Happy holidays. With your local maze. Savings with a smile. All through the Christmas season.